0: Head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is The Limitless
1: Keith Lee. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing, take just one moment, and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open
0: Podcast.
1: You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 238. My name is Nick
0: Howell. And still furious at Bray Wyatt's heel turn. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You you know the heel turn I'm talking about, right, Nick? The one... Uh, The one where he claims to be able to raise the dead, but he brings back a a useless Swamp Wizard instead of bringing back David Bowie, Prince, or Mr. Perfect. It's nonsense, and I won't stand for it. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's right, we are here to talk about the Graps this week. Uh, Here on Busted Wide Open, we've got AEW to run down, NXT, and SmackDown had a major debut on it. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, We'll tell you about it, because that's what we do here yes. on this show. That is our purpose in life, Nick. But unfortunately, before we get to that purpose, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to get through, and then we can talk about all of the grabs.
1: Yes, indeed. To start things off really quick, I want to let you guys know, hey, we're two weeks in, and just in case you didn't know, we have some brand new designs up on a brand uh-huh. new merch store. Yeah. And I would be remiss if I did not make the special delivery using Nick Guard 1 <laughs> right here on the stream. So two anonymous who made a purchase of a put it in my eye holes Nick t-shirt as well as an I survived Nick booking t-shirt. We thank you. And if you guys would like to find uh, any all of these new designs, you can find a link down in the description below right here on YouTube. Uh, but, yes, guys, come over and join us in our Discord community. You'll find that link as well. All of these links down in the description below. But uh, Discord is the place to be. We do have live chats all throughout the week. Uh, all kinds of good stuff happening over there, so make sure you get into the community. We're also over on Facebook in our discussion group, uh, Twitter, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm rusty today. Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at BWO Podcast, uh, and li- we stream live here. Man, I am. You haven't a rough done this in a whole
0: like three days. It's, it's. I know I can be. Yeah, tough.
1: it's been a rough 24,
0: 48 hours.
1: Uh, We stream live here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Welcome to all of the new subscribers that have shown up uh, and are liking our BWO daily videos Mm. where we're doing our newsy type news stuff every single day, Monday through Friday. So around 5 p.m. Eastern every day, you're going to get an alert if you got your notifications turned on and you got your subscribe button slammed. So make sure you got all of that done because we do live stream as well every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and today, Saturday, at 3 p.m. Eastern. And we even do our special bonus episode called The Patron Mailbag immediately after this show where we answer questions from our patrons. So, uh... To get into that, you have to head over to patreon.com slash BWO, sign up for just that $5 tier, and every single week, every month, you can send your questions in that we will answer here live on the tubes of you. uh, To to clarify,
0: the show is for everybody. The questions are for patrons. Yeah. Patrons ask questions, everyone listens to the show, and it's wonderful all around.
1: Was that not clear? I'm sorry. I don't know.
0: Just making sure. Just double I'm <laughs> doubling down, Nick. Double. Yeah, tap. it's
1: not a it's not a special Tune thing to where the you head can only You only know. listen to it uh if uh it, unless you're a patron. It's yeah, it for no, everybody. No,
0: no, it's for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's for everybody. Yes, bags for everybody. Oh,
1: what a, I think I got everything there. Yeah, so. just make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. We're we're kind of doing almost everything over here at this point. But yes, we have uh, the podcast can be found anywhere you uh, listen to podcasts. BWOPodcast.com All of these links can be found over there, or if you're here on YouTube, down in the description below. But Ian, we got a lot of really mm-hmm. good grabs that happened this week, so we're gonna head over and kick things off with all elite
0: wrestling. <laughs> Well, if you listened to our BWO Daily show, you'd actually know who the surprise entrant on this week's TNT Championship Open Challenge was on AEW because on the six twelve, the June 12th show of BWA, BWO Daily, we said that we believed that Ricky Stark, we, we were actually very certain that Ricky Starks was going to be the new challenger for Cody's Championship. And sure enough, this week out came... Former NWA TV champion, Ricky Starks, to challenge Cody. Mm. Uh, Arn presented it as a sort of thing where if Cody could top him, maybe he could handle Jake Hager, but he's got to hone his skills against someone who's young and hungry. hungry, Someone who's like a dark reflection of Cody, if you will. Someone else who's got the grit. And so out came Ricky Starks. Look, they did a nice little video package they gave for him. Nice little setup. Made him look like an up-and-coming star. They positioned him, Nick. I think the way he should be positioned is someone who's coming out to lose to a champion, someone yeah. who is, like, there but for the grace of God. Because, and he put on a good match with Cody, Cody, and he they did a great job. It was a great, it was a great match, very fun. Uh, they never quite got me on if Ricky was going to win that championship or not because, you know, Jake Hager was sitting in the back all the time reminding us that we have a match between Cody and he at Fighter Fest. So I never really got sucked into the point where I was like, man, he might beat Cody. But I did actually Remember what I said last match.
1: week how they they ruined that whole thing by announcing the match with Jake Hager way too soon because yeah. it takes away the reality that any on any given Sunday someone could walk in and take that cut title off Cody between now and Fighter Fest. Right. So I, uh,
0: Yeah, man. and that's this is an example of where that did bite them in the ass in terms of their booking. They want to build the match, but at the same time the, you know now we yeah. Ricky starts come out and we don't think oh man Ricky might take it from him.
1: You could send God himself out to challenge Cody and he probably would lose to Cody.
0: He might. I ta- mean he'd lost events so he's definitely that's losing true. to Cody. But that's a good. That's point. I'm just saying God is zero and one in the ring, as far as we know. Um, but th- so again here we've got Ricky comes out they make him look like a star even in a loss which you right. know you always kind of want your de- de- debut to be a win. But at the same time, if you're gonna have to lose, at least this is a good way to do it. You know, they had him going out right. looking like a guy who is going to be a big deal. Yeah. So we got
1: some interesting info from. Uh, there were some tweets from Tony Khan as well, post show, confirming some things, mm-hmm. saying that Ricky Starks was not signed. Legitimately, was not had a handshake, one appearance deal uh, for Dynamite on Wednesday night, but. Could not sign him fast enough immediately after that match and that performance. So legit, yeah. Tony Khan was very impressed with Ricky Starks. Signed him immediately after that. I, I suspect it's a I bit of I don't know pain. how much I believe yeah, that. It's a but, little
0: kayfabe to that, I suspect as well. But yeah, Ricky Starks is now all elite, uh, which is particularly helpful because there's nowhere to go back to because NWA is, for the time being is toast because David Lagana has been has has stepped down. Uh, in the midst of all this stuff. But you should watch the BWO Daily for all that news stuff because we got to talk about the wrestlings. One of the things one of the things that's been leveled at Cody recently, one of the allegations, let me maybe not use allegations, one of the criticisms that's been leveled at Cody lately has been that he kind of grandstands with this championship, that he's putting himself over a little bit. But I'm detecting that that is actually a little bit of like, there's some like heel stuff going on there. Him Him questioning mm. if he's still in the elite noting that no one else has come out to his matches, um, him just being a little bit aggressive in matches, very, a little arrogant. Do you feel like we're, set, like we're playing the long game here, and we're setting up for a Cody heel turn where he becomes an arrogant champ that needs to be toppled?
1: Mm, not while Jericho's around. Interesting. I feel like while Jericho's around and in the role he is... You, you can't have two of those sort of megalomaniac type of heel dynamics going on. We've already got MJF, too. <sighs> yeah. So those are, those you, are, you pile Cody uh, into that, and it gets a little bit muddy.
0: But I I would think he would be a different sort of heel than kind of this, you know, Jericho's got his own way of being arrogant. MJF has his own way of being arrogant. Cody, it feels more like, as you say, a megalomaniac uh where, you know, he's he's on the your top. Your Tron says to, there's
1: more than one royal uh, family in wrestling to open it up, and you have ten times more pyro than anybody else on your internet. Yeah, he's already you on know, his way I, to
0: being a megalomaniac. He's already right. got everything set up. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. If that's what they're going for, I think they're on the right track. Uh, also on the right track, the best friends who should try and revenge themselves on Jericho and Sammy Guevara... Had a tag match this week. Uh, They put their number one contendership on the line. They're supposed to have a match with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega at Fighter Fest. That is, of course, if Hangman Page and Kenny Omega can get through the gauntlet of people challenging them for their titles on the way. They had had another title match tonight. Yep. And what was one of the first things in this match that, that Matt Hardy, who was on commentary, said? Yeah, they better be careful. These tag team title shots don't come easy. I was howling. What? What do you mean? We've had a tag team title match every week. People have just been <laughs> stepping up and been like, oh, "I got a tag," and you get a tag team title match, and you get a tag team title match. Everyone's got tag team title matches except for the number one contenders. What is that?
1: Oh, because they're already prematurely booked at Fighter Fest.
0: So a, t- a title match is a title match. My head explode. Well, one of them that
1: stepped up are are not in that picture anymore for reasons that we have discussed previously on BWO Daily. So it is it's thinned out a little bit. Uh, what I do like is the crossover. So what's they've they've said they've from the gate they've come out and said that we're going to make the best tag team division in the world. Love it, and you guys know how much I love legit tag team wrestling. The fact that they put them on (laughs) two singles wrestlers for this long is. Another story, but uh, I do like how there's intermingling of the singles wrestlers outside of the tag team picture. So you've got um, you've got Orange Cassidy involved in this now as part okay. of the best friends story, and it's sort of its own thing with Jericho that's happening. That we'll we'll get to that. But the the others, some of the other things that are orbiting around it, it, it gives stakes and meaning to a lot of these tag team matches, and they don't always have to be for the title. Yeah. I, so I agree with you. It's 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 a little bit overdone, but I'm not at a point where I'm well upset about it.
0: I guess from a booking standpoint, I'm sitting here watching tag team after tag team getting title matches week after week, um, and you know the best friends are still waiting for their paper. I guess their quote unquote pay per view now it's on TV. Uh, you know their prestige tag team title match. I guess you could call it. And I'm sitting here going, why don't you have? These teams facing, I mean, I know that that's a, that's a trope that always gets crapped on in WWE, beat the champ, get a title shot. But here's one where we have a number one contender set, right? Yeah. There's only one person who gets to, only one team in this case, that gets to face for the tag team titles. Other teams come along and they can be challenging the champs. When the champ loses, then that team gets a title shot down the road. Sure. You know what I mean?
1: Or if they beat the number one contenders, maybe they leapfrog ahead of them. Sure. You know?
0: But, but again, just giving title shots out arbitrarily to people who have good records when the people who have the best record are the number one contenders. And yes, they're, they're guaranteed a match at some point. But I would be sitting here like, again, I don't wanna, I'm getting way too down the rabbit hole on kayfabe here. But if there's a winner's purse to winning the tag team titles, you want that as soon as possible. You don't want to say, okay, you get a tag team title shot in four weeks and see three people coming before you who could then be winning and getting that purse before you. So again, I'm nitpicking. I'm sorry. That just it, of all the things in AEW this week, I was sitting there screaming at my TV like a child, and I'm sorry I marked out on it. I'm sorry I just did because this match was actually great, and I loved yeah. it. And I loved the fact that the whole thing was to avenge them, avenge Orange Cassidy who got beaten down and bloodied last week by Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And this match went back and forth. The baseball bat came out. It was Floyd. Floyd. All. It all was crazy and then at the end the ending came when one of the camera guys tripped up Sammy Guevara in the middle of him looking like he was going to finish off Trent. Trent grabs him drives him down, wins one, two three and then it's revealed the cameraman all along the entire match was Orange Cassidy. I went back and looked. He filmed the match. They cut to him. He genuinely worked as a cameraman in that match. They were cutting to his angles and everything. And he was catching some good angles. So, nice. And then he jumped in and beat the absolute piss out of Jericho. He just beat – whooped him up. Whooped that boy up. This is –
1: I think this is the thing that – I think we've only seen it once, maybe twice before with Cassidy. But when that dude flips the switch – He can whoop some ass.
0: It's the it's one of the things about his gimmick that's getting him over is that, you know, he's doing as little as possible. When he goes, he does a lot, but it's the it's the old Undertaker thing, right? I mean he was he was just talking about this on last ride where he's like Yeah, you know, you just you do very little and you move very slow. And then when you finally go, it really pops the crowd. That's true, it does. He pops the crowd when he goes, he pops me. Uh, so Orange Cassidy versus Jericho now confirmed for Fighter Fest. Is that the match we wanted to see? Or are we still more hyped for Mike Tyson? Who? Where? Who?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you mean Geriatric the boxer that came in that yeah was uh, yeah that was a mess. I'm I'm glad that's not happening anymore. It'll, yeah, I think it's still going it. to
0: happen at some point. It's going to happen at some point. Orange Cassidy is a nice diversion. Um, you yeah. know, it's. He's their, he's their ratings draw. like The, the numbers go up when, when O.C.'s on TV. So O.C. and Jericho, I think, I, from a money standpoint, that's a money feud. Yeah, um, I agree. So speaking of tag teams, the natural nightmares, QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, they get a tag team title shot because reasons <laughs> against, against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. I mean, great. Okay, going to be a good match, and it was. But, all
1: to tell a story. So you're putting the tag team titles on the line to tell a story about Allie being a turncoat, uh,
0: well, and Allie, the uh,
1: engagement with QT Marshall, Allie, and all of that stuff. Yeah,
0: she, her, her, her distracting him, him trying to act all like heroic when Allie comes out and ultimately not being able to pull it off. Because, you know, midlife crisis. Midlife crisis, QT Marshall with his hair plugs. Um, yeah, another, uh, here we go. Tag team title shot. Best friends are over. Avenging themselves on Jericho and uh, and, gov- and, gov- and Sammy Guevara, and here we have the tag team titles on the line against. Now, granted, they were I think second or third in line. They had a great record. So, but again, why are they leapfrogging the number one contenders uh, on the same damn show? When are yeah. we going to start having this match be built between Paige Omega and the best friends? Like, shouldn't there be a story there, or is it because there's not right now?
1: Do you think we're having title shot after title shot after title shot to get make viewers come pay more attention? Do you think it's if, more if states. we are doing it the old way where title shots were reserved for pay-per-view, like title defenses were rever- review- ugh, reserved for pay-per-views, Sasha Banks, <laughs> uh, uh, that people wouldn't show up and watch the weekly shows? Uh, is that a bad assumption on their part, that they feel like they have to put titles on the line to get people to show up and watch?
0: I mean, yes, but you shouldn't have to. Like, no, I agree. Your your ratings draw is Orange Cassidy. It's not the title match. It's not having a title on the line. You can make another story out of this. So that's why, I mean, and if you're trying to get. Certainly not the natural nightmares. And the stakes, (laughs) you know, having, having, wanting to have stakes in your matches is, you know, yes, absolutely you should have stakes in your matches, but. This is the wrong stakes to have here, especially when you're trying to convince us that you have a number one contender who's sitting here waiting for weeks to get a shot. Anyway, we're harping on this a lot on the show, but it, the problem is it was driven in just so many times. This was actually a fun match. um It's always crazy to see q t go because he looks so unassuming and then he can just get in there and go. It's also insane how good Dustin still is uh you know, you expect Paige and Omega to just be gangbusters, and they were, yeah, so um.
1: I I loved seeing Dustin and Kenny Omega start that match off in a good, good old high five hand slap at the beginning of it. And they were just, they were just going.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, like there's something else to be said for how much they're now pushing people to dark. They have to AEW Dark, the show. They have the little ticker at the bottom saying who won and who lost on dark. A lot of the stuff on this show, they say, Hey, if you watched dark, you'd know what was going on here. And I remember when they first started, we were saying, I feel like a lot of the plot is happening elsewhere on YouTube, on Dark, and they're not saying anything about it. They're not telling you. Now they're telling you. Now they're saying, hey, we have another show. We've got YouTube going on. There's lots more to be watching, and you could be keeping up on all this if you watch that. Brilliant. Drive people to other shows. WWE, make main event worth watching by having plot happen there. You know what I mean? If you want to get ratings up for other shows, have storyline run through them and that there's there's there's, it's called FOMO you get people to to go over there and watch your show so you know it worked for me I
1: already watch eight to ten hours of WWE programming a week I don't know (laughs) that I could have uh any more hours left in my week to watch anymore, frankly well Uh, if they can't if they can't accomplish what they need to accomplish in eight to ten hours of
0: tv every week (laughs) but the thing is when you have when you have rosters this big you've got more room to do stuff they're sure. doing stuff on AEW Dark that they don't have time for on Dynamite. They're doing, you know, they could have stuff on main event. They already do. There's the whole Cedric and, and Ricochet story going on on main event right now. Bianca Belair's down there. They're doing stuff there. They don't have any room for on the other shows. Two or five live. There's a whole bunch of plot going on there that doesn't have any. They don't have time for in the other shows. So could they be doing more of it? Yeah, because the plot's very thin for those. They don't run through the main shows. But my point is they've got enough to work with.
1: Is this hypocritical of us to say though, because aren't we usually overly critical of someone getting buried by going down and being put on main event or but, on but doesn't that make or... it but
0: doesn't that make it less of of a burial when the show is more integral to your product?
1: Sure, but that's a hurdle I think you'd have to get over at this point. you would.
0: but there's still the week. stigma, you know, oh, it was a match on dark. I don't need to watch it, but having the main show saying no, you should watch it if you want to know what's going on, that raises up the the, the level of the show, I right? Agree. I agree. You can't say NXT is equal to the other two brands unless you treat it that way. Yep. So that's. I agree. And, and the same with main event. Like, make it a show that. Are, they, are you going to have, like, the Roman Reigns and the Codys on, on Dark? No. But it's a place where a lot of other storylines run through and you can have a lot of incredible talent. They're, both of their rosters are stacked. You're get, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander and Bianca Belair are on main event. Are you kidding? Like if that's your what, tertiary quaternary show, like if that's down the pike and you're having that level of talent on that show, y- you have a talented roster. Good lord. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the rest of the tag division while we're talking about tag division. We've got we had the 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 main event, we had the tag team title match, which were not the same thing, but then we had the Young Bucks finally having a match on TV versus the super bad squad of course, that's Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, and Jimmy Havoc. Probably the last time we're going to see Jimmy Havoc in a while. Uh, he has been sent to rehab and counseling. Uh, AEW did—they said that they're still thinking about what his status with the company is going to be, but it will. They—they they said it's contingent on how he does in rehab and therapy. So, yes, uh, fingers crossed for Jimmy. Obviously, uh, some some bad stuff came out about him this week. Hopefully, he can. Exorcise the demons and come back because damn, he was entertaining in this match. Um, I loved how he turned his gimmick from being, you know, death match sick mother effer to in this match, he's just the guy that is always looking for a way to cheat and he's so fast about it. Like he'll even let the ref catch pliers in his pants to be able to immediately pull something else out as soon as the ref's back is turned. Like it's it, that kind of stuff is great. And this match, I do was miss great. the
1: staple gun though.
0: Uh, yeah, I miss a stable gun. You know what I don't miss? The paper cuts between the fingers and then the lemon juice. Like, oh! Jimmy, Jimmy, I can't handle it. Jimmy, no. <laughs> uh, Young Buck, <laughs> back in. <laughs> Young Buck's back in fine form here. Uh, the story of the match came because at a certain point. Butcher and Blade came out of the audience. Uh, of course they did. Of course they did. Why Somebody not? Somebody
1: else to challenge for the tag team championships. Apparently.
0: That you? Well, no. It's just that we're having a big tag team kerfuffle. They tried to get involved in the match, but who should come out to defend the Young Bucks but FTR? Nani? Mm-hmm. FTR coming out to drive off Butcher and Blade, letting them have a, a actual match finish, and of course the Bucks win here. And afterwards we have a big tag team scrum with FTR and Young Bucks standing tall. Why are FTR defending Bucks, do you think, Nick?
1: I don't know. Because really, it's... it's pick your enemy, pick your battle. So right now they have beef with Butcher and Blade. Butcher and Blade came out and attacked. I wouldn't say they were defending the Young Bucks. They were just coming out attacking Butcher and Blade to try and get theirs back to build that feud. So the Bucks just happened to be the tag team of choice that was in the ring with Butcher and Blade. That's what I read this as. Should I have read more into it?
0: Well, from what I'm getting is that FTR respect the Bucks. They don't like them, and they want to keep them healthy for their match they're eventually going to have. Um, oh yeah! So please
1: save that one. Make it big. Build it for a long time. Yeah, we've been waiting for that match. And now Teams we know we're going to get little longer. it.
0: You know what I mean? It's it's. Yeah, we know we're going to get it. We know we're like it's it's. We finally got the gift card. We're going to to the steakhouse. We know we're getting the steak. Yes, I don't want it right away. I want to savor that um, that uh, anticipation. The, yes. Mmm. Mm, steak butter. <laughs> so, all right. So okay. Fine. The rest of the tag team division. We didn't see Private Party get involved in this. But that's that's pretty much the rest of the tag team division is all kind of jumbled up here. Is it too much chaos or is this just their way of saying, hey, remember how we said we were gonna have an amazing tag division? <laughs> there you go.
1: That's what I'm taking it as.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, and they're not they're not entirely wrong. I would watch any of these tag teams have a match and it would probably be a badass match. Nick, yes. it's that time of the show where oh. we need to we Speaking need to make a mistake. Um, it's it, <laughs> haunches of meat. <laughs> we got to talk about this next match. It wasn't a debut, but it was certainly like a coming out party for Anna J your previous and now ex girlfriend. Yeah. We we, we had
1: about. a we had a short term
0: yes, at a fling, a passionate yes. torrid summer about, romance about,
1: about twenty four hours before man. you
0: went back to uh, Tony Storm. Yeah,
1: yeah Tori came. Tony Tori Tony Tory. came calling.
0: Tory, Tory Wilson, when you can no, go back in time. Uh, yes, Tony came back into the picture. Uh, I don't know how you stand being cucked by Juice Robinson like this, but you know, I, 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 I salute you, sir. You and Cornette, you're, your the pod.
1: We're working through it.
0: I yes, I imagine, I imagine you are, ladies and gentlemen. Nick, big fan of Anna J. Uh, you can see why She's good old,
1: good old Southern
0: girl from Georgia. She's a oh boy,
1: twenty-three years old, twenty, I think. And just amazingly talented. She's been down Great. in mid south. She's been doing a lot of yeah. stuff. Working, working uh,
0: at the uh, monster factory. Working, uh, you know. Yeah. And and this was her coming out party. Hey, it's me. I'm going to come out, and I'm going to be a new star. I'm the star of the show. She even got like a little video package before saying, you know, sweet little innocent baby face presentation comes yeah. out. She's like, that's right. Look at me. I'm the star of the show. She looked like a like a you know beauty pageant. She had like little like tails on her coat, and she was right. I'm so cute. Top I'm, hat, I'm the from tie. Georgia. I'm as wholesome as apple pie. Look at me, I'm Anna Jay. And then out comes Abaddon. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: polar opposite. <laughs> the scariest monster oh in God. all of professional wrestling. You roll out Abaddon right. to counter Anna J. Like if well you exorcised
0: well a demon from 1998, Marilyn Manson. And that demon (laughs) took a poop. You'd have Abaddon. She looks like absolute hell. Uh, (laughs) I jumped out of my uh, skin
1: when she was crawling across the ring.
0: (laughs) Like a a horror movie come to life. She comes out, destroys Anna Anna Jay. Just absolute squash. Beats her down. Oh, just, just destroys Anna Jay. Gets but the wait, one, two, three. There's more yes, to this story. There's a lot more to this story. So Abaddon defeats Anna J. Anna J. is left there in the middle of the ring. Oh my God! What happened? What was that thing? Uh, <laughs> and out, out to out to help her gingerly out of the ring comes the entire Dark Order. All of them come out. Everybody from 10 to Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, the Brody, Mr. Brody comes out. Uh evil Uno goes down in the crowd, by the way, gives an envelope to Colt Cabana. Interesting. He's got some
1: kind of contract or like lawsuit or something in it. Well, he's reading it. The we whole time. did
0: find out later what this was. It was Colt got himself a tag match with Mr. Brody for next week. <laughs> so Colt getting booked. Dark Order booking to Colt. All right.
1: Line drive with the two dollar super chat says she needs Jesus. (laughs) I'm assuming you mean Abaddon by that.
0: Abaddon, (laughs) I believe, does need Jesus. I don't Jesus would run screaming from from Abaddon. Jesus would be like, Oh God, no, oh, oh Dad, Dad, get it. Dad, what is that thing? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I nailed it across for three days. I ain't never seen nothing like that. (laughs) skin crawling. Uh but the Dark Order wasn't just there for Colt Cabana. They helped young Miss Anna J, who doesn't need Jesus. She obviously already got Jesus. She's a good southern yeah. girl as you said, Nick. Yeah. Uh they helped her out of the ring and uh helped carry her away down the tunnel of the Dark Order. Uh notable, her husband is actually 10 from the Dark Order. So if Anna J becomes a member of the Dark Order, that would actually make sense in terms of of their relationship. What do you think, Nick, about Anna Jay as a member of the Dark Order?
1: I want to talk about it in a bigger sense if I can. Um, I look at Dark Order's tactic. They're going after the most babyface of babyfaces, Colt Cabana, Anna Jay. They're one, I think their, their strategy is to flip people uh, and to mold them in their vision, right? Uh, that's the pattern that I'm seeing, at least, with Colt Cabana and Anna Jay now. And I'm wondering if there's if there's a story to tell there. If we're going to get a promo from the Exalted One describing the process, or are there, is there going to be a training video? You know, come take your feet and come today. Need and to you too can join sure. the Dark Order. Does
0: there need know? to be, or should Anna Jay just come out and just have like a new attitude? You know what I mean? Like,
1: sure. Do they, do they lose use the that? top hat? Lose the bow tie? Just come out and be a badass, a s- more serious,
0: and darker, camouflage
1: Anna Jay. in an assault vest, or just <laughs> right? Turn it around. And just come out
0: looking like a like Moxley in the Shield, yeah, exactly.
1: You remember what You know what I thought about when I, when I saw her come out in the bow tie and the top hat? I thought about early Alexa Bliss in NXT coming out as the cheerleader and right, bubbles, things like
0: that. Bubbles. glitter, glitter, yeah. yeah.
1: And and then when she finally debuted as um, the Alexa Bliss with the 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 skeleton gloves and the pink, the the sort of Harley Quinn spinoff uh, with the sass and the attitude. Like I think so- that's what I thought of here. That's what I was immediately drawn to. Um, it was that transition for Alexa Bliss. I could see something happening here. What we haven't seen is her on the mic. And I want to I make sure that if we're going to invest in someone like that that heavily, let's make sure that they can also promo. Um, well, or to putting them with it, dark
0: order, you maybe don't need to promo so much. Those guys ain't promoing. Sure.
1: But, I mean, look at, look at how versatile and dynamic. I mean, he, he's been doing it for 20 years. Colt Cabana, I mean, you can put him into any situation and he's going to shine.
0: Well, next uh, but week, I
1: guess I want to make sure that there's enough there before you put that much emphasis on someone and shove them out of the nest,
0: right? Well, let's let's talk about that because Colt Cabana did get the match. He's gonna be with Brody against Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela next week. Uh, do they need I mean, I personally feel like Dark Order needs to get a win. They need a big win. They need a couple of wins because they have been nothing but losers since the beginning. From the top down, even, you know, Brody's losing here. Yeah. They need to win. If they can convert someone like Colt Cabana, that to me shows that they're legit. Yep. If they can't convert Colt, just kill the whole gimmick, kill the angle. The Dark Order are done. What's I'm, I'm
1: scared the Colt Cabana thing is going to go the way of Christopher Daniels, how we all thought he was going to be the exalted one potentially. Or yeah, or turn or whatever. whatever and it's he just, was going to turn around, yeah. So, I that's what I'm I'm really concerned about. I want to see what happens. I think the reinfusion of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, them being back is it, okay. It opens this up into a bigger thing again and and I'm I'm ready to take a step back and take my hands off the wheel and let it let's see what they do with it because we're recruiting Colt Cabana, yep. we're now recruiting Anna J, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are back. We've got 10 established. We've got the other minions around there's a lot going on with Dark Order, and I kind of want to just let it unfold.
0: Agreed. So. There's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of story going on here, and that's yeah. great. Good. Keep yeah. me invested in what's happening next. But they've got to land this plan with the Dark Order. They've got to make them seem yeah. like a threat, and right now the threat is just numbers. We don't actually believe that they're a threat in the ring, yeah. and they need to be. Yeah. Uh, a threat in the ring like Billy Gunn, who looked like an absolute mammoth next to MJF in their match. Uh, luckily, that was kind of the story of the whole thing was MJF, did he bite off more than he can chew? Like, yeah, Billy's not a spring chicken, but the dude still looks like a million bucks and can go. And a lot of MJF's offense just bounced right off of him. And so it became Love a it. story of all the underhanded ways that MJF could try to get one over on this bigger guy. And as the commentary said in this, like, he's going to have to face bigger guys as his career goes on. How does he fare against them? Well, this showed you. Uh, The only interference he even had from big old Wardlow, who was ringside, was Wardlow threw him the ring at one point, so he had a loaded punch, which is what he ultimately took Billy out with. But he was chop blocking him. He was, you know, he was running away from him to try to get like an advantage the entire match. What did you think about how this looked for MJF in terms of how he could play it in the future if he has to face bigger guys?
1: I mean, we've said it before here on the show. It's worth restating. It it really puts into perspective how big the roster was in the Attitude Era. Think, think about it. Billy Gunn was like an average size guy.
0: Oh yeah, he was like slightly taller than everyone else in DX. He
1: he like everybody was bigger than yeah. him mostly right.
0: Like Road Dog, I but thought it, was my size. He's not. Road Dog's huge. No,
1: Road Dog's massive. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H is massive. Yeah, um, it just. So that really just shone through for me uh, this Triple week with H- him standing next to MJF.
0: is 6'4", and he was the average sized guy in, in, right. in, in DX man right <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord yeah we didn't realize so that how was the really one thing
1: was. that stood out I think this was a fantastic uh, exhibition of what of how versatile MJF could be uh, yep. let him be the chicken shit heel that can well he's not really chicken shit he stood right up to his face knowing that he had Wardlow getting his back, and I love the way MJ acts, and he'll backpedal, and Billy Gunn's just standing there, and he bumps into him and turns around and hits him with the ring. I think this showed a good side of MJF that he will do whatever it takes. Uh, I don't know what the plan is for MJF at this point. We've moved past Cody. I've speculated that I think he could be next in line for the AEW championship. Yep. There, there's some slight hints of that. That are that I'm picking up, but I I don't know. <laughs> right now it it's it feels a little bit like we're just having fun. This is an accidental thing that happened during an interview, so they had a match, cause MJF talked shit about his son. Uh, yeah, there there was no meaning to this.
0: Holy crap. By the way, both of Billy's sons look like if they molded together, they might make up one Billy gun. Right. <laughs> like both his sons look almost exactly like him, but like mini versions, and one's smaller than the other one, so it's like it's almost like those Russian nesting dolls. Like if you put right. one in front of the inside the <laughs> other just one. Crack you make one
1: the, open, you can put it inside the other one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. This match did feel kind of like a little bit of wheel spinning for MJF. We're not sure what his next plan is. He's now just feuding with Legends, which is fine. Let him. I mean, honestly, having him feud with Legends and win is actually a good thing for building his heel character. But they definitely did find a direction for him at some point. I agree. They did find a direction for Wardlow. Uh, Wardlow and MJF got into it with Jurassic Express ringside after the match. So next week, we're finally getting it, Nick. Nick, we're getting it. Mm. Not even on a pay-per-view. Luchasaurus and Wardlow mm. in a Lumberjack match. Put, put it, it in, in my, my eyes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So much yes. So much yes. I can't wait for that next week. Why I also- wouldn't
1: you Fest, <laughs> Too big. Come on, fight. guys. It's
0: too big for Fighter Fest, Nick. It's too You're big. Right. It's too big.
1: Uh, They're going to need an hour and a half to sort out their differences. <laughs> it's going to be three quarters of dynamite.
0: Luchasaurus Literally. and Wardlow going Broadway in a lumberjack match. Oh, I love that. Hoss fight. Hoss fight. You know what else? Damn I right, John. Put it in my Sprung, holes. Yeah. Big Swole and Britt Baker. Britt Baker had her Jeep, her Rolls Royce, as she calls it, with her wheelchair strapped in the back, uh, right near the announcing booth, she kept like, she had this little like pulley thing where she would write notes and put them on a pulley with a clothespin and Brilliant. put them up to, like, wheel them up to Tony Schiavone, who would then be like, uh, Dr. Brett we, 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 Baker. We've says, just gotten a
1: note from Dr. Brett Baker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, breaking in like
0: Walter Cronkite. Oh you know? my God. You talk about finding creative ways to keep yourself relevant and just like think, okay, yeah. what could I do to like still be part of the show? Holy crap, this is, like, this is, if, I, you know, I think of all the times that wrestlers get injured and they're not on shows, they're just, they are just, they disappear. Yeah. And I look at this and go, oh, th- they are making her stay so relevant. She's helping herself stay so relevant on the show. She's adding a whole other layer where you feel like when you go to Daly's place, there's an environment and there's all these little miniature stories going on ringside. There's there's stories going on in the crowd You've got Britt Baker over here passing notes to Tony Schiavone. Uh, there's people sitting down up at Commentary, and there's all kinds of things going on in the backstage area. There's a beautiful sunset. Like It feels like you're stepping into a world, a lived-in world, and it's stuff like this that helps it be lived in, including the fact that at one point her assistant, Britt Baker's assistant. Reba. Reba. Rebel? Rebel?
1: Reba. I'm not sure what it, which one is we which We don't even anymore.
0: know anymore. Uh, yeah. She doesn't know. We don't know. Rebel takes off, and uh, Britt finally says to Tony Schiavone that he has he has broken the bro code, and they're taking a friend timeout. And then she goes, "Reba, get me out of here!" And we pan up, and it's like the Undertaker coming in the in the front of the limo. He's like, "Where to?" And they go up to Big Swell. Me, Big Swell, like, I'll take you someplace. Yeah. <sighs> we go in someplace now, and she peels out of there. And Britt Baker's like, "Okay."
1: I am uh I, I've said it before in recent months. I'm very high on Big Swole. I hope they've got a big plan for her.
0: They seem to. She's
1: fantastic.
0: They've and got her doing stuff her a lot. Getting her involved
1: with this with Britt Baker and the the previously when we were doing the uh, the interviews with Shivani and it, the antics surrounding all of that. Now that they're, they're reviving that. Yes. The way yes, <laughs>
0: absolutely. They had the dash cam looking back at Big Swole. She's driving away and she's just sitting there talking shit as she's driving
1: away. <laughs> I'll oh. take you somewhere, bitch. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Just constantly. Just, just oh, jaw jacking. I the, loved it.
0: The next time we see Britt Baker, Reba finds her in a trash dumpster outside. <laughs> She's just in a trash dumpster. A banana peels on her head. Dirt all over her face. Makeup smears. Like, where were you? Where
1: bravo. were you? All involved. Oh, bravo.
0: my God.
1: Now, what I want to put in your eye holes or in your head as a, as a bug, Chris Statlander is injured. What if she what comes if she, out as the she's the opposition? She's also in a wheelchair. Oh she's no. also doing this, and we've got strapped-down ladies in wheelchairs on opposing golf carts on opposite sides of the rings. And they're like throwing it's shit like at each other. Battles, and,
0: yeah, exactly. Right. There's all kinds of things you can do. And Chris did say when she went out for surgery, you will be seeing on TV, but you will be seeing you'll be seeing me on TV long before I'm healed. So yeah, it makes me feel like because they know their women's division is a little bit thin, keep it up with personalities. Yep. And you're seeing here where. Someone who is injured, who's got a big personality, is help is helping somebody who isn't injured and is still working, but doesn't have a real program going on uh, in Big Swole but who also has a big personality. And you know, you at the end, Britt Baker's like, "I'm going to kill Big Swole so we can have a feud and not have a match here," uh, because of what they've built and they and it's it it's it's brilliant, it's great, and it's, it's really wildly good. it's wild, entertaining, especially because it feels like something different than anything else in the show. So great stuff there. Uh, not so great the AEW heavyweight title picture. We had a couple. Oh, other- before we go, I gotta oh, oh, I gotta do another, another-
1: two dollars super chat from Kyle. Says buckle up, Teddy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Kyle.
0: Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I, I such good stuff. Um, okay, John Moxley, Brian Cage, and Taz. More promos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taz and Cage out by an overpass. Taz getting pissed off because Moxley is stealing his gimmick and saying he's the most miserable guy in the world. Uh, miserable son of a bitch. And then uh, he and Cage go run off to drink some whey protein or something because that's what body guys do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got serious Sam Mussabini vibes from Taz here. There's a reference for you. Uh, but then you have Moxley in a dark room somewhere, uh, just being like, oh, yeah. As, as he does. He does. <laughs> as he does. Survive me, survive you if I can. I don't know. Just see if you can survive me. I don't know. Both of these, I- I'm not going to lie, Nick. Uh, okay. Th- the one that, thing that bugged me about Moxley was him saying, I've got demons, big fat ones. And it's like, why are you... <sighs> Show don't tell, man. I'm not feeling like you've got demons, Mox. And you telling me just sounds so, like, angsty high schooler. Mm. You know? Both of these promos left me very cold.
1: I've tried to figure out what it is about Moxley as champion. I've tried to figure out what really is not clicking. Because you and I, both very high on him joining AEW... Both very high on his performance as the Death Rider over in New Japan, in the G1, all of that stuff. And frankly, the the early antics with the Inner Circle were absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. Something happened where he didn't feel as big as a Jericho or someone else. He doesn't feel like the big megastar with the AEW Championship. It's wild. I'm not sure. It's, It's a wild thing to really get your head around but I I don't like Moxley with the title I like Moxley as just the brawler guy that's gonna roll in whoop some ass and go home and drink a beer and and I'm not sure that there's enough pomp and circumstance around Moxley to be this big of a champion if if that makes sense there's not a lot like Jericho had it Jericho comes out and it's Judas and all of this the the big song and the pyro and everything and Moxley's still doing Dean Ambrose things in back room, dark rooms, and brooding and being emo and angry.
0: Yeah, something's not connecting. Something's
1: I'm, not clicking.
0: Is it the lack of fans? Does he need to have fans out there? What like, What is not clicking here? What What makes him feel like a lesser him being champ right champion now? Champion
1: doesn't play to his strengths.
0: Yeah, maybe is he a guy who just needs to be chasing?
1: Yeah. I think that the him messing with Jericho in the inner circle and the busting the champagne over all their heads and playing with them like they were his toys that was all wildly entertaining. We all universally loved that. And you style.
0: know what's crazy is that like I think back on his match with Brody, which was great. It was a great match. Yeah. It didn't feel like a championship match. Nope. It felt like a great brawl between two yep. upper upper Carters, but it didn't feel like. A championship match and maybe it shouldn't have been you know I I thought putting the title on moxie was premature when they put it on him I remember saying so but I said you know at the same time I understand that they don't want to they do want to cycle the title around they don't want to be on one guy for too long yeah but if I went back I would say keep it on Jericho there's nothing that's happened since that you couldn't have had Jericho have the title
1: well I don't think it's gonna transition to cage
0: no, and which yes. is a, which is a shame because, yes.
1: and this is why I've been speculating, and somebody else just said, Kyle just said it in the chat. I think MJF, I think MJF, is very interesting. What do they do with the ring, though? Yeah, that title—I'll do air quotes—title, whatever they refer to that as. Um,
0: the diamond, the AW like, diamond ring, right? Yeah, don't know. No,
1: it, uh, that's uh, I keep seeing MJF in that position, and I think he would do an equally good job as Jericho did as the inaugural champ. Um, but I, if we're going to go back and forth, he'll face, he'll face. I think MJF would probably be a logical next step because he has been there from the beginning. We're, everybody who watches AEW is familiar with him. A- everybody who watches AEW might not be completely familiar with everything that Moxley has done in a prior life. So I'm... I don't know. Something is just not clicking for it's me. It's not. It's a little bit of my wrestling. It's a little bit of this, yeah. eight, the Moxley that I like. And it could and I be I our be perception. That. Yeah, it could be. It could sure. be our
0: perception. But let's also, Nick. Let's while we're saying it's our perception, let's also say these were. This was a pair of promos kind of shuffled around in the middle of the show. That's your head. That's your heavyweight title. Your TNT title is being defended every week on the show in banger matches, and your heavyweight championship has two throwaway segments with one of them being your champion hiding in a closet and talking about his, My demons! So- when
1: Jericho was, was AEW champion, he either opened or closed the show. He came out and started the Inner Circle. He built a faction around himself. He created Champagne... He made all these catchphrases. All of this kind of stuff was going on. It was an event when Jericho showed up as champion. And yes, I, I he had seen a crowd.
0: Yes, Jericho had a crowd.
1: I don't know that that's relevant, but, honestly. But,
0: uh, that's, I, I was just going to say, but, but yeah. Jericho still feels more important than Moxley now, and he doesn't have a title. And there's no Even
1: crowd. Yeah. He's got a bat, and it feels more important than Moxley with the championship.
0: I'd say, and I'd say Cody feels more important than Moxley right now, too. Just to just they're, so, so they're people are making it that so way, so people don't go. Well, it's Jericho, he's the goat. I'm like, okay, well, Co- Cody feels more important right now. So,
1: oh, <sighs> Nick guard one, this just in oh. has just made another delivery to Yardy. I believe yeah. that's our Yardy Dewanamaker maker from over on the other side of the pond for a put it in my eye holes Nick t shirt. Oh thank you very much, Yardy.
0: Very cool, thank you, sir. Well, Nick, awesome. that's a that's a great way to actually say that does it for AEW, Nick Guard one, closing down AEW and sending us over to talk about some WWE. I'm talking about NXT.
1: Well, this week on NXT, uh, Bailey and Sasha made their appearance. We've been talking about the women's tag team championships, and they've been promoting the hell out of it all week long. Lots of stuff have been go has been happening uh, with regards to the women's tag team championships recently. So we've been getting the promotions that they were going to defend their titles against Tegan Knox, the team of Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Ian, I'm I'm curious to hear what you thought about this first because I I wanted more
0: out of it. Really? I I got exactly yeah. what I thought I was going to get out of it. An entertaining match that showed off all the four women um, made Tegan and Shotzi look like look great frankly because there is the perception that Bayley and Sasha are on a certain level and if it weren't for a little bit of skullduggery at the end with Bayley running into the ring uh, by the way can I just throw it out here that Shotzi Blackheart had Sasha Banks in a cattle mutilation submission hold. Mmm. Tasty. That tasty. That was pretty. But then to have Bailey run in, distract the ref with a chair, ref takes the chair, Bailey flips him over, so it turns it around into a bank statement so that Sasha can lock that in. And then it was so quick. By the way, all this happened very quickly. And then Sasha's able to tap out Shotzi in the bank statement. Um, I mean, they, they, they made the finished look. As though Shotzi and, and Tegan had a chance. Uh, and they were up on the level of Bailey and Sasha. Just Bailey and Sasha are just better at playing the game, if you will. Um, I thought it made everyone look good. I thought Bailey and Sasha looked great. I thought Tegan and Shotzi looked great. I enjoyed it for what it was. It didn't need to be a 30 minute, you know, just absolute, like, it didn't need to be, it didn't need to be the greatest match ever again. I just needed to be a good tag match, and that's what it was. It's it, mean, it, was, it was
1: it was fair. It was it, it, it was, was good. It was good. It was fine. Uh, what I did think you want? What it really comes down to is I'm bored with Bailey and Sasha.
0: Oh come on now! They've been I getting am, better and better every week.
1: I think you're getting more and more numb, and your standards are coming down <laughs> every week.
0: How dare you, sir?
1: <laughs> I'm bored. I'm, I'm, they were on commentary. We'll talk about that later all night on smackdown and i'm i'm just bored wow i'm bored with them i don't find them i don't find them entertaining uh, the match the work is absolutely fine it's we know that they've got it in them i have zero problems with that and yes this match in the ring was absolutely fine uh, mm. i even liked the end and the finish where it was i think it was actually tegan that that stopped bayley with the chair and yanked it out of her hands and then somehow it got Kicked or
0: thrown. It was a something. whole thing. Yeah. There was a whole bunch it was of a kerfuffle. A whole bunch of kerfufflery at the end there for sure. Um, yeah, but, but again, yeah. like, but I feel Nick, this is the kind of match Bailey and Sasha should be going around and having. Like, go around, put a, you know, show off younger talent, have interesting matches that you normally wouldn't see on the main roster, or have matches you would see on the main roster, but have them be well worked and interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Th- great. This is what we wanted out of the women's tag team division isn't yeah. it so, yeah
1: so I'd just like somebody else besides
0: Bailey and Sasha should be
1: taken seriously
0: <sighs> I, I think it's a great look for them I think it, it, it sh- enables them to show off their talents here, both of them together not having you know Bailey be the center of attention when I think that by herself Bailey is a little is by herself I'm, I'm, I'm done with Bailey but her and Sasha together that dynamic has become really fun where Baileys just the loud mouth like, just scream at the top of her lungs, so obnoxious heel, and Sasha's kind of the more, like, calm, mellow, just completely arrogant, yeah, you know, snarky, mean girl kind of heel.
1: I'm scared we're starting to tread into Charlotte territory a little bit, though. Oh, we'll get that. think that's what's got me...
0: Wait, 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 wait. What's Charlotte territory about them? The fact, like, as the women's tag team... I'm seeing them
1: all the time, and now they're even coming down to NXT. I understand why... But it, I'm scared we're, we're not there. I'm not saying we're there yet. I'm saying we're I'm scared either. we're going to go there. Yeah. And we're going to have Bailey and Sasha all shows all the time defending the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. And it's the Bailey and Sasha show. Yeah, da, da, da. Every single show. That's what I'm scared we're going to go towards.
0: It's already kind of starting to happen. But here's the thing I know. because it's going to happen this week. They're going to have been on SmackDown. Uh, excuse me. They, or they were in NXT, then they were on SmackDown. Then they'll be on Monday Night Raw, and then they will not be on NXT, but they'll be on SmackDown next week. So there's still going to be a lot of places, be- but it's because they're the women's tag t- champs and they need to defend those titles across all brands. Um, whereas Charlotte, having the NXT title, she was promoting stuff she was doing in NXT on the main roster shows, and there was no other reason for her to be there. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to save the question of if Bayley and Sasha were, were becoming Charlottized. A little bit, but I don't think we're there yet because no. it still it still feels novel that they're defending the women's tag team championships, and we're genuinely getting people that we wouldn't otherwise see against them in it. So that I'm Char- like-
1: Charlotte has set the appearance bar very high. They've got a long way to go to get to <laughs> Charlotte level, but if I'm what I'm scared of is we're we are creeping towards that, uh, and it's you just push the gas pedal by having them yeah. come down to NXT, okay, for the right reasons. I want to be clear about that. I love the okay. fact that they're defending the titles across all brands.
0: But but <laughs> let's be careful. Nikki got a big let's old not, butt. Y- what I said? You got a big old butt. I, you a, I no, know. you said butt. You you had a big butt there in the middle of your sentence. Come on, what do you, oh, you think? I, I was? thought you Come said
1: on. Nikki got a big old butt. I
0: mean, I'm you like, did. Who? What? You?
1: Oh, no, I don't. In the middle you of him. your sentence. Oh, uh, in the middle. Okay, yes, I do. Kyle, I'm gonna get where's out of that your, one. Where's Kyle, your with mind a Five dollar super chat says Fatal Four Way at Extreme Rules for the Women's Tag Titles. I honestly like what Bailey and Sasha are doing, and unlike Charlotte, doesn't feel overexposed.
0: Agreed. You thought I'll I was talking about Anna j
1: Agreed, you? but yet,
0: yes, yes, yes. So far, so far, so far. I, I, I can feel you, Nick. Where at some point it's gonna, it, it could get that way, but I ain't mad at it so far. And I personally, I personally, obviously, we, we disagree yeah. on this one, but yeah. I think that their heel work is getting better, uh, and they're becoming more entertaining. But. That's yep. that. Maybe that's just me. Um, I do like the fact that at the end of this match, after while they were celebrating, Bailey and Sasha got blindsided by Io Shirai, who came in and whooped both their asses, kicked them out of the ring, sent them scrambling, held up her title and said, "This is my NXT." Because I thought that sent the signal that yes, you can be main roster, but you're but NXT can still kick your ass, like. If, if, if I'm trying to think how best to phrase this, basically, they're still strong at NXT. Just because you've come in feeling like a bigger deal because you're on the main roster, you're leaving the show getting your butt kicked by NXT as a way to even the perception. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: I, I would have totally loved to have seen that cattle mutilation surprise the hell out of Bailey and Sasha and they lose the titles here. To me, that amplifies things. In a bigger way than just, oh, Bailey squeaks, they squeak one out again, and oh, there's a beatdown after the match. and yeah.
0: You know what? We know that we know that it seems to be going towards a Bailey and Sasha split up. At some point, they're just taking their damn sweet time with it. Uh, I'm actually, I kind of agree with you, Nick. It would be fun to watch them defend it across all three brands and then get shocked at NXT and have that be the catalyst for the breakup. Is it such a shocking defeat that finally that's the thing that sends them over the edge?
1: And, and that, the two of them have such history in NXT, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that would be apropos for that to be the venue that that, that, that happened. And to. it'd
0: be cool to get those championship titles on that massive, talented NXT women's division. And it would, it would help give NXT some rub at a time when they're continuing to lose in the ratings to AEW. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said for it. Uh, Kyle coming back in the, in the uh, chat. Oh, damn. Double, d- double tapping. Uh, line drive, $5. Thank you, sir. See, EO's run in felt weird. Her character never struck me as a, quote, defender of the brand like Rhea Ripley comfortably felt like. EO is EO the badass. Agreed. Agreed. But this is champ EO. We haven't seen what champ EO is yet. So they've got me intrigued now. Are we? Ta- are, is EO now all of a sudden an NXT loyalist now that she's the champ? Maybe. She didn't come out with any help. You know, It wasn't like the whole locker room cleared out. It's like, yeah, EO, we're with you because you're for NXT. It could still EO just being the badass... You know, but she's the she's the pit bull that runs out and be like, "Get out of my yard!" I right. don't care who you are. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, it could have been a it could have been a face, it could have been a heel. She's gonna come down and defend her her yard. So, I'm, I wasn't mad at it. I wasn't mad at it. And like I said, I thought I thought it sent a good signal to people who were main roster fans who were watching the show. Don't mess with NXT. So that's right. I didn't mind it. Um, we had another title match on the show. Imperium defended their tag team titles against. Breezango! Emporium. Emporium, yeah. Breezango came out with a nice, fun new entrance where they mocked Imperium. Uh, the Imperium entrance instead said Emporium. And instead of uh, Fabian Eichner, we had Fabio. And uh, Fandango came out looking like Fabio. Um, what, did, what was Tyler, Tyler Breeze? I forget his name that he came out as, But they, they were mocking Imperium, basically. I, uh, I don't remember. And that. then and I then just remember
1: he, Emporium, and I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> That's and Fabio. He had the wig on.
0: He had the wig on. Kept humping the air like <sighs> he always does.
1: Oh man, I, I just you know, it's hard to take it seriously. This is the problem. You've got your tag team marsupial. Champions that Imperium. was a
0: marsupial.
1: marsupial. Marsupial. Yes, thank you. Um, it's hard to take them seriously when they're in a tag team match. Especially against the champions, and and I'm sitting. This is all. It, it's a bit of a mess right now in the tag division. You've got you've got sort of goofy comedy acts coming out mocking your tag champs who have basically been irrelevant since they became tag champs.
0: Well, it has been pretty recent.
1: I understand, but this it. is what you're going to do to make your tag champs more important and relevant. Not have other, you know, more stakes in the ground and things like that to make them feel like they are
0: legit? The problem was that this was their opportunity to make Fandango and Breeze feel more like serious wrestlers. And, you know, they came out, they're they're saying, oh yeah, we do comedy stuff, but then once we get in the ring, we're serious. But there was no transition. They got in the ring and kept goofing around. Now they eventually, you know, eventually got serious in the match. I guess you could say like they started actually wrestling. Right. But I didn't feel that break where they actually went, okay, now we're going to be serious. The, only, the, on. only, the right. only thing serious is the back knee on Tyler Breeze right now. Like, yo, I don't know what supplements you're taking, but stop. Something's, oh, something's going wrong there. Prince pretty ain't so pretty when seen from the, the rear side. Um, but the, that aside, I wanted to see them, like, quote, get serious. Um, we, with the big old day, butt on SmackDown, we saw someone going from being goofy to serious like a whip crack here. We didn't see that. And that's something that they desperately need for us to take them seriously. We knew they weren't going to win here. They didn't win here. There was a schmoz finish in came down to interrupt and try to beat up Tyler breeze. Uh, they got then jumped from behind by Lorcan and Birch. There was a whole big smackdown on the outside of the ring, and in the chaos, Imperium retained. And we had a big old stare down between four teams at the end, which indicates to me that we're looking at a much bigger tag title picture right now. And we're going to yeah. try and build up some of these smaller teams. So, in that picture, you know, Breezango stand out because they're unique, they're goofy, yet supposedly they turned it on in the ring. I guess that separates them from the other ones where you have Lorcan and Birch, who are all serious all the time, into Share who are the monsters, and Imperium who are the, the smaller tactical wizards. But at the same time, we've really got to see that transition, a hard transition for Brizango to go from comedy to seriously wrestling. Yeah. If they're going to pull that off.
1: They, they've got to do something at some point because right now I don't believe in Imperium as the tag champs.
0: Yeah, I, I they need a big one.
1: Make me believe. Like UE, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Even when Roddy Strong was in there for a little bit, uh, when Bobby Fish was hurt, like they felt like the like UE ran the place.
0: Yeah,
1: and they felt like they had them champs locked the championships locked down. Right now, without Walter, Imperium isn't Imperium. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I'll give him a little more credit than that. But speaking to your point about undisputed era, they're having some problems too because Roderick Strong has not been himself ever since he was locked in the boot of a car by Dexter Loomis. And so this week they tried to get Roddy some help. Roddy's looking a little shaky these days. So they took him to they they wanted. You had Adam Cole uh, and Bobby Fish in the limo talking about how they were going to keep it in house. They were going to fix Roderick in house. Oh, actually, before I move on, uh, line Woo. drive again. Thank you, ten dollars. Ten dollars. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. He said Brizango felt like the Street Profits before takeover twenty-five to me, with the same circumstances of the fact they haven't won a title. Hoping for Takeover Magic with these teams. I hope so too. A, a, well said. A lot of the, I think a lot of people are down and into share right now. They need to have a big show-off showcase. Um so there's yeah there's a lot going around here. People. Well,
1: Bivens is planting the seeds, like the no contract, no contact kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. N- not now. We don't. We don't. We're not getting paid. All that kind of stuff, right? I, so you know, yeah. Prize fighters. I I get it.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but as I was saying, they're trying to keep uh, Roderick Strong's therapy in house, so they take him to an in house therapist, which turns out to be Kyle O'Reilly, putting on a goofy accent and a goofy hat and glasses reading Justin Timberlake's biography. Um, and so he's hiding behind Roderick, even though he wasn't actually in the same room because, of course, he's got diabetes and can't be exposed right now. But they did, right. a, good, they did a good job editing this, so you felt like he was in the room. Um, and he's asking Roderick all these questions about what's going on. They try to give him a, uh, uh, oh, what's well, like a Rorschach test. Um, yeah. And he keeps seeing Dexter Loomis' face in the Rorschach test, and then the, the trunk of the car, he starts freaking out. So they say okay it's time to move on let's do the let's do the trunk test. Let's try to get you to we're going to make you get back in a trunk just to overcome your fears and Roderick's like okay yeah I can do this. They get him out there. He goes to put his foot in. He can't do this and he takes off running off running down the street like Forrest Gump. He just never stops. He just
1: That was that was that was going. one of the best Tom Cruise movie run impressions <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> I want to give some kudos that that was there's only a few there's only a few men Daniel Craig Tom Cruise like there's only a few people that can do that kind of like movie run yeah when you're running every cell
0: in your body is committed to running at this moment yeah Roderick was he was he was (laughs) Tom Cruise running you're absolutely right he was Tom Cruise running. (laughs) oh okay so Undisputed Era breaking apart they're they're messed up. Dexter Loomis has has fractured them, uh, which means that later on, Adam Cole has to come out to the ring alone, because mm-hmm. Undisputed Era is a mess right now, uh, which makes Adam Cole even more vulnerable. He's got a bunch of people coming for his title. He's got Carrion Cross leaving him uh, his hourglasses that are running out of time. He's got big guys like Keith Lee who are already champions coming in, grabbing those, uh, those hourglasses and smashing them on the floor and saying, it's my turn first. So Adam Cole comes out to the ring to set things straight, but the problem is right away Keith Lee comes out to get in his face, and then right away Johnny Gargano comes out to get in both their faces, and then right away Finn Balor comes out to get in all of their faces, and they all end up jawing at each other until William Regal pops up on the monitor and says, you know what? I've got a good idea. Since all of you guys want to get a shot at each other, here's how this is going to go down. Next week, we're getting Gargano versus Balor versus Keith Lee, triple threat for the North American champion ship, excuse me, for the North American championship. And then we're going to have the winner of that match face Adam Cole. Winner takes all. What? Nanny? We're going to have, theoretically, unless there's some sort of, you know, kerfufflery, we're going to have someone holding both the belts in NXT. And it's going to be one of these four guys. Keep in mind, Karrion Cross is out there TikToking away too. How does this, how, what are, what is going on?
1: Uh, I said Keith Lee earlier in the year and everybody laughed at me.
0: You think Keith is going to be a double champ?
1: I think Keith is going to be a double champ and he's going to go... Oh, my and God. <sighs> and, and that was my reaction. Before we ever got to anything that went on in the ring that you just described, we had Keith Lee walk up first, look at the hourglass, smash it. <laughs> carry and Kross, you're going to go through me first. I'm yeah. next. And, they, and did, just went,
0: they did have a little... No, to speak to your point, they did have a little bit later... Where you see just the broken hourglass on the ground, and you see Scarlett walk up and kind of like finger some of the, the, the sand, and then a big old boot come in the side and smash a piece of glass. Karrion Cross is not pleased. So you may have something there.
1: Yeah. So set up Keith Lee as a, as a double champ. Maybe he has to face somebody else, drops the North American. Maybe Finn Balor somehow figures that out. Maybe Gargano figures out how to, but he drops that, and then Keith yep. Lee versus and Cross for the uh, second half of the year. You broke into yes. my house.
0: Put it in my, eye my hourglass. And that is what grieves me the most. You killed my hourglass. Right. I've watched, I have watched Conan the Barbarian the other day. I can't help it. I got James oh, Earl yeah. Jones on the brain. So yeah, a lot going on in the title picture here. My goodness, so many options. That's insane. Finn Balor is involved in this, don't forget too. Yeah, a guy who we've said needs to be doing more.
1: Yep, and it looks like he's going to. And and to be honest, I was kind of uh, about this until Regal got on the screen and said what he said and booked the uh, the double matches, and I was just like, okay, <sighs> okay, yep. This is Papa one of those Regal's things got where
0: <laughs> like there's really nothing we can say about this. This is madness. This right. there's a lot that could happen here. We kind of just have to sit back and be like, okay. Where are, you, where are you going with this? You're, you're setting up an absolutely huge tower of cards here.
1: These these four dudes plus the few folks that are orbiting all of them involved. Yeah. Don't forget about Candice LeRae, Mia Yim. Uh, don't forget about Dakota Kai and Randy Gonzalez that are out there. Invo- oops, excuse me. Involved in something that had a bug flyby. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it flew right in front of my face and I hit the microphone. Sorry, guys. Uh, you've got all of that happening on the auxiliary. Right, So you, that involves Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano, two of the guys that are deeply involved in this. Uh, and then you've got Karrion Cross circling around. Tommaso Champa's out there, probably a little pissed off mm-hmm. out there yep. as well. Yep. There's a lot. And what I'm scared of about this is, is I love this on paper. I just hope it delivers better than what we've had the first half of the year with the sort of haphazard... Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream somehow morphing into Dexter Loomis and Roderick Strong, and like that whole thing that we tried the first half of the year. Yeah, and we even I had a bit with this to continue. We even to had be it a like a,
0: a little bit with Velveteen Dream sitting on a couch and saying, you know, I, I know what's coming next. I, I've, I've got to do some other stuff. And Dexter Loomis sneaks in a picture of him and Dream with the tag titles, and Dream, you know, doesn't see him do it, but he looks at the picture and goes, nah, Dream's a solo act. Um, he may be more solo than he knows if some of these newer allegations are going to stick. Uh, we may not be yeah. seeing Dream anymore, and Dexter Loomis might be barking up the wrong tree, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, Velveteen and, and Dexter are still out there f- for now. Uh, there's so much, and also you've got Bronson Reed, who Karrion Cross beat last week. He came out absolutely laid waste to Leon Ruff and then called out Karrion Cross again. So Karrion's going to be busy with, Bronson Reed, who I, by the way, I think is, that's a great little mini feud for KM. Damn, boy! he's thick! <laughs> I, I think that's a great mini feud where Bronson can, you know, he can look like a big, strong guy and Carrion can murder him and it's good for both of them. So, all right, cool. So, so much going on there. But it's just, we're going to have to see where these pieces fall because it's a big deal to put two titles on one person. If they do do that, it does make it so that that person can then be challenged for one of the titles. So there could be some wiggle room there, but at the same time, it's going to depend on who you put it on and who then challenges them next. So yes, lots, uh, lots of 4D chess going on here on NXT. Also some 4D chess being played by Santos Escobar.
1: This is growing on me. The newest feel
0: Oh, dude, this was, uh, this was over for me the second he turned around. He was back to back with Drake Maverick against the Lucha Ninjas, and he just stops and he turns around. I was, it was over with me that second right there. still
1: there. hate the name. Oh, but oh, that's you'll, it. You'll forget. I'm, 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 it's growing on me.
0: You'll forget it pretty quickly. He, that guy knocking those promos out of the park. Uh, he had a nice little video package here basically saying that, uh, yeah, all of this legacy of Lucha and everything. I'm breaking the cycle. I'm going out for myself. Um, and I'm going to kick everyone's ass, essentially. And as he comes out to the ring to give a promo, he's interrupted by Drake Maverick again, who says, yeah, all right, you got me last week. You're kind of a dick, but you know what? People always said, I got just more more uh, heart than brains. And he jumps in the ring and tries to beat them up, and they beat the absolute crap out of Drake Maverick again, including giving him a phantom driver through a damn table outside of the ring um, mwah. Mwah, I'm so uh, yeah this is I'm in mm, one of my favorite things on NXT this is was a a absolutely perfectly done swerve heel turn character change the new character they have is awesome um, he's nailing this character the two goons are nailing their characters like we haven't even seen them open up yet like this is going to be Fantastic for a while and Drake is the goddamn perfect foil for this. He's the L- perfect somebody foil. Somebody
1: said it earlier on the show in the chat that Wednesday night's draws are now Orange Cassidy and Drake Maverick. <laughs> And if we had said that a year ago, you guys would have unsubscribed faster than
0: <laughs> <laughs> These guys are out of their minds. We don't, they don't know what they're you talking.
1: You talk about, about nick booking? Y'all may- if I had said a year ago that Drake Maverick and Orange Cassidy were gonna be the top draws.
0: I might have believed you AEW, Orange Cassidy, respectively. I might have believed you with Orange Cassidy. Drake Maverick, I'm definitely shocked at the turnaround they've had. Last, you know, last year he was pissing his pants for AOP, and now he's like one of the most believable baby faces in NXT. It's un. Real, but it's also it's also very believable now that you've seen it. Um, he is absolutely a baby face you can root for, especially in this scenario. Um, you've also got Jake Atlas kind of flitting around this as well, keeping an eye on him. There's a lot that they set up in that Cruiserweight tournament. This is why tournaments are so great, Nick. You can put up yep. so much story and still have exciting matches, and then you have yep. all this stuff to do when you come out of it. And here we are. Well done for the writers of NXT. This was a brand that was... I, I don't know about floundering is a little dramatic, but they were definitely not having their best time about a month or two ago. No. Um, even before that, like all year, NXT has been a little eh. Uh, they, phew, back on track, and this is... That wonderful.
1: Cruiserweight tournament just turned the ship around in a big way.
0: Does Kushida figure in here anywhere?
1: I don't think so. Not right now. No? Not, t- not until there's a match that introduces some... I mean, let Drake and, and uh, Iho f- just fight it out. Sorry, Santos. Let let them just fight it out for the time being. L- let's complete that story before we start overcomplicating it, like we've now overcomplicated the top of the card. Mm. Let's let's just let those two have a blood feud for a minute. And I and just let, Kushida will come in eventually.
0: But I just yet. feel like they have to have somebody to establish that these guys are going to cheat to win. You know, like maybe it's going to be on Jake Atlas. I don't know, but I'm not mad at it. I'm also not entirely mad at the idea of turning Damian Priest face, which they seem to be doing. He came out and had a match with Killian Dane. Where's he been? Um, but Damian Priest apparently working face now and uh, gets beaten down by Killian Dane for about ten minutes, and then has a quick comeback and wins. Uh, two questions here, Nick, that kind of disturbed me. I'm not disturbed, but just I was stuck in my craw. Okay. You got a guy like Priest who is at his best when he's doing surprising, entertaining moves, much like a Dijak or or Keith Lee. And what you book is a match where he gets beaten down the entire time, sells his back, and doesn't get to do a lot of these exciting moves. Is that the best way to sell him when he's trying to turn face? No. Because he's not a guy that Uh, you want, like, it works to get sympathy for where he's been a heel for so long, Right.
1: No. For me, it's 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 very akin to what they did with Velveteen Dream. I don't think he's fully committed to the gimmick and they gotta turn it up to eleven. We've been saying this for a long time here on the show. But you gotta commit to it and you gotta turn it up a little bit more. I wanna see cocky, arrogant, overconfident Damian Priest. Mm. But but can back it up. I don't want to see eh, a little arrow coming out and
0: uh, somebody letters. give that boy That's an it. actual bow because he doesn't know how to draw a bow. I'm gonna say that too. It's,
1: if he came out terrible. with like a bow over his shoulder and like came into the like came out with that, uh, he needs some minions. He needs some some sidekicks or a sidekick
0: of some sort. Uh, a brood. He he needs some ladies of the night. Is what he needs. Sure. If he's a, if he's like this big glamorous want star vampire it. thing,
1: so something that can be a s- some kind of figure there that can be in on his side.
0: Ladies and men of the night, now. Sure. Twenty sure. twenty. I'm just saying, like have it, have it be, just have. Yes, I agree. Get him, make him more glamorous, make him cocky, but make him someone that you actually like a cool guy you want to root for. And this because it, otherwise it's enough.
1: like you said, he just gets in the ring, sells his back and.
0: We're not, or we're comes out with sympathy. a nightstick
1: and is a sh- cheating shit. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it yet. It just dial it up. We've been saying mm-hmm. this for so long now. Just dial it up a little bit more. Commit to the gimmick, and I think he'll f- just absolutely
0: skyrocket. On the other side of things, is it what the heck happened to, to Killian Dane? When did he become the lower mid card gatekeeper? What happened? The new Cassius Ono. <laughs> yeah, he's a smaller, hairier Cassius Ono. Yeah. Oh, what geez. happened? What's going on? Who did he at least we don't talk? have to look at his thighs? His back is what always gets me.
1: Uh Kyle with a super chat. Five bucks. Thank you, sir. At this point I feel the PC and full sale parking lot are this chaotic or as this chaotic as a hazing ritual just so they can go to work and get on TV for trainees. Yeah, I'm not sure as a hazing ritual just so they can go to work and get on TV for training.
0: Yo, all I know is that the WWE PC parking lot is probably the most dangerous place in the world. I've seen people yeah. – uh, was, it was the beginning of the end for Hideo Itami. Uh, you've got people getting abducted out there by lucha ninjas. You've got people getting hit by Sheamus in a car who's framing Jeff Hardy. Like, this, just don't go out in the parking lot. Yeah. The parking lot's scary. I'm scared of the PC park. you got people – got crazy people out there throwing poop? Literally, that happened. Literally. It literally happened who's done they it before poop, and got shot so got shot jail. by the cops <laughs> that parking lot is no joke yeah damn may so, the odds I mean, okay. be ever in your
1: favor when you enter the <laughs> pc parking lot
0: <laughs> holy crap it's like the running man out there uh dakota kai subbed out caden carter Raquel Gonzalez, you mentioned this uh, a second ago. Raquel Gonzalez is running ringside, beat up uh, Casey Catanzaro. So we're getting a couple little baby faces getting beaten up by the heels. Cool yep. undercard women's division. Uh, make get get Dakota some wins. Make her and Raquel look like a, a serious deal.
1: Caden Carter, cool. look great. a yep. good match.
0: This is the time when it's appropriate to circle the airport for all these people. So yep. fine. Um, and now we got to talk about. Final thing final segment here on NXT. Aaliyah was having another match against Zia Lee. Um and Robert Stone. She's still trying to get recruited by Robert Stone, who's having a complete meltdown after losing Chelsea Green, who vanished, by the way. She's not getting Guess, banished by Robert yeah. Stone and now she's not on TV. Guess they
1: really wanted to use their pool.
0: Uh yeah, they're mad they didn't get to use their pool. Um Hmm. It didn't seem like a smart uh that, Chelsea Green goes from tag teaming with Charlotte Flair right. to not being on TV because right. she fired Robert Stone. Right. Robert Stone's still on TV every week. I, helps Aaliyah win a match here. Now, granted, he has been on a bender. Uh, apparently stinks to high heaven. He's all, all messed up and not put together. And he got up on the ring apron and hurled chunks into the ring. That's right. We actually had on NXT TV... Someone blow chunks all over the ring, which distracted Lee and allowed Aaliyah to get the pin. But we've already had people saying, "Is this the fingers, the 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 fat old man fingers of Vince McMahon slowly worming their way into our NXT?" Was this was this too Vincey for you, Nick? Or bit. did this this work? this
1: was Drake Maverick peeing his pants?
0: What? Really? Yep. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Not, you didn't think that it. they needed this? No. No. Didn't like it, huh?
1: He he could have come out in shambles dressed as he was, shambled, all akimbo, just just being a mess. Tell commentary telling us he's been on a bender, he's not handling the breakup very well, all that stuff. We didn't need barfing on my wrestling program. <laughs> Just like we didn't need to, to get the point across. Yeah, Okay, he's drunk. We, we get it. He's, sh- he's shambling around. He's a mess. We, I don't need him to barf into the ring. You don't get it until there's vomit everywhere. Right. No, that, that was the only way we were going to sell this.
0: I got to say, the only way that this would have uh, worked better for me is if he'd actually had, like, one of those set-up hoses uh, in his arm <laughs> and, like, a, a, a big old pack on his back, you know, right. like it was an activated one. He could just like put his hand up to his mouth and it would get like this huge like thunderous stream right. of vomit like like exorcist, like just like a fire hose. The, the just,
1: Team America one is the normally I like to reference where he's out in the alley at the back of the bar. Yeah.
0: Sure, yeah, exactly. Or that kind of thing, right. But right. it's just like just hose down the ring like a like a sprinkler, like a yeah. sprinkler on the lawn. just
1: all on, <laughs> the ho- all on the hockey glass along the side of the ring. Oh, you know, just, just close the show with it. Listen, Close if the you're going to do shit like this, <laughs> go all the way. Turn it up to 11.
0: I mean, he did. He did, he did as much as he could with just having it in his mouth because he just went, Bleh. like, it went most of the way across the ring. Uh, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to go for it. Let's just go for it. Why not? Uh, make it Make it insane. That probably would have been too much. But that's. I don't know. I would have been entertained. I was entertained by this. I didn't mind it um, as much as a lot of people did. I completely understand why people did. I definitely have, you know, stood up there and, and, and on, the, on the soapbox, been like, no, this is just, this is not necessary. Meh, But this felt in line with the character that he's portraying, and it's a funny, I thought that was a funny irony, that him being such a mess, mess finally helped Aaliyah win a match, And then she's actually like trying to get him to sign her because they're just both losers. And these two losers, like, that's this is his rock bottom, right? Yeah. But the rock bottom that he hit helped her win a match. So for me, it felt like an appropriate story beat. Yes, it did seem very extreme. And it felt, you know, like the kind of uh, trash TV like that you would see like in WWE back in the day. But at the same time, it was trash TV. It was it. There was a point to this. His rock bottom helped her get over her rock, her hump of losing. Yeah, I thought there was a certain poetry to that he so says about the vomiting segment.
1: Robert Stone barfing helped Aaliyah's career more than
0: Vanessa Bourne. You could say. You could say that. You could say that. Well, See, right. the thing is, so people, and, and you, you did it, and uh, in the chat they're comparing this to the Drake Maverick peeing his pants. Yeah. That had no relation on the match. It had no relation to Drake's character. It had no relation to anything. It, it was just, let's have him pee his pants at the end of the match. It didn't have a purpose at all. It was just a uh... ha-ha moment. This had a purpose, so I will defend it because it did actually have a purpose for the match and for the characters. So yeah. I'm defending the vomit spot. Damn it!
1: Um, well, you you, you you nail yourself to that cross. <laughs> cause I'm, cause I'm dying not going on that to. Hill, damn it. I'll <laughs> die on
0: that, on that hill. If you can do, if you can do, like base, like kindergartner humor, but make it have a purpose in your storyline, I will defend you. Yeah. If it's just there because <laughs> p, then no, I'm not going to defend you. If they had, if it was just the middle of a match and they'd cut to Robert Stone in the crowd and he just puked on himself for no reason, and then we cut back and that was it, it was like <laughs> he puked on himself. <laughs> if that had been it, I'd have been like, nope, that was stupid. It had a purpose.
1: What if he had puked all over Ziya Lee? Would that be, have counted as a, as
0: a DQ? That's kind of what I was. Jo- I don't know. I'm just saying, like, had they gone to that extreme where he actually like held like you know he had the hose in his wrist and he held on to her just like spraying her with puke right and it was just it was just horrific like that would have been too much that would have been too far i don't know i'm now now i'm i'm parsing this but right you get where <laughs> you get where i'm coming from when if it, then it, else, i get it yeah yes it's <laughs> it had a purpose so yeah. didn't mind it anyway that <sighs> is nxt another solid show this week but man there is so much we need to discuss up on the main roster so let's head on over to Friday Night Smackdown.
1: Oh, or should I say,
0: bro. bro. AJ wee Styles. Wee. AJ Styles had an Intercontinental Championship celebration in the middle of the ring. Looked like a lumberjack match. Most of the uh, roster out there most of the locker room out, outside of the ring, watching him get in and be announced by Renee Young as your new Intercontinental Champion after beating Daniel Bryan clean as whistle in uh, the greatest match ever last week on... Oh, no, it wasn't the greatest match ever, was it? That was Sunday, right? So I get, I get confused. So he comes out, but he says, I don't want Renee Young to present me with the title. There's someone who's more appropriate who happens to be ringside. He's right there. Daniel Bryan, come on down or come on up into the ring and put this title around my waist and tell me congratulations. Obviously, Daniel Bryan, not terribly excited to do this because what a dick.
1: But it's but brilliant the, because Daniel Bryan's the one figure standing around the ring that's got the honor and the integrity to understand to that, you know, in defeat, he should be the one putting that. Yep. I love this.
0: Great character dynamics loved here it. all around. And Daniel, the way he played this, where he's just, you could tell he was just, oh, I just really don't want to do this, but I'm an honorable man, and I will. And he ultimately did. Put it around his waist. Said, okay, congratulations. Got out of, Went to go out. got out of the ring. And AJ goes, no, 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 no. You said it all quiet-like. Let, let, let's hear you say it. Let's hear you say it. And Daniel Bryan just, all right, goes and grabs a mic. And he says, AJ, on that night, you were the better man. Congratulations. And AJ keeps needling him. He's like, come on, Daniel, tell him how good I am. And Daniel, said, Daniel Bryan finally he sees it. I like this because you actually see the wheels turning in Daniel Bryan's head here. That's how good he is, is he actually, he does the kind of acting that you don't see in wrestling a lot, where the, you actually see them thinking about what they're going to say and how they can move in this situation. And Daniel Bryan actually, you could see him thinking, you know, AJ, you just left yourself open there. How about this, AJ. How about if you're such a great champ, you defend it every week? And AJ goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm not you, Daniel Bryan. They have to earn a shot with me. They don't just get a free shot like that. And so they go back and forth. Daniel Bryan trying to trick AJ into giving a, uh, a title shot for the Intercontinental Title. But ultimately, Daniel Bryan says, um, "Tell you what, you know what? You got to defend that against somebody who's young and hungry." And out comes. Bro, Matt Riddle, who comes to the ring. The the commentary just slathers it on him about, you know, yes, he's laid back, but he can go in the ring, gets into the ring, gets in AJ's face. AJ gets riled up and punches Matt Riddle, and then we have ourselves a match. And I don't know if Greg Hamilton screwed up here. Or if it was just a really kind of well played uh, bit, but Greg Hamilton says this matches for the Intercontinental Championship, and AJ goes, "No, no, it's not. He ain't earned shit. Yeah. This is not for the title."
1: Yanks the mic out of his hand and everything. Was, this was brilliant. Yeah. If it was, was if it was ad hoc, uh, fantastic. Well done.
0: Yeah. If it if again if it was thought of beforehand, it was played very well. If it yeah. was on the spot. Well done by AJ. Either way, it was great, and it made it feel real that AJ was scared to put his title on the line. Yeah. And it made it feel real that um, he was the kind of champ who would try to weasel his way out of title matches. Yeah. So whether or not it was a mistake, doesn't matter. was a nice moment.
1: I love AJ the- going just going ballistic outside the ring uh, after Riddle. He did ha- develop a little cut under his eye, and one of Riddle's knees, I think, got a little... A little too or happy.
0: You, or but, uh, Riddle's hang, a hangnail. Who knows? Uh, ugh. Ugh. Uh, so we then have this match, AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle, which if you talk about the first match that Matt Riddle's going to have on the main roster, talk about an ideal way to start. Good God.
1: This is how um, you debut.
0: This is a debut right here. Um, and we're not, we're not even at the end of the match yet. Just describing what you've seen so far. Uh, you know, Riddle coming out, getting this big treatment, big entrance, comes down to the ring, gets into it with AJ Styles and then gets a match. First thing with AJ Styles, the intercontinental champion. And then Nick, after a somewhat chippy match, um, AJ starts to wear him down gets out of the ring, gets into Daniel Bryan's face outside the ring. Daniel Bryan has to be restrained and AJ gets cocky, goes to get back in the ring and deliver a phenomenal forearm, gets caught on the ropes by Matt Riddle who pulls him into the bro Derek. One, two, three. Matt Riddle, on his debut, beats AJ Styles and then the entire locker room, all the faces at least, jump into the ring and give him a big hug and high fives. Um anointing and
1: him basically
0: anointing it was it was an, it was absolutely he was being anointed
1: i haven't seen a debut like this in a long time
0: me neither this was a full on strap the rocket on this kid holy crap that was a debut so there's a lot to take away from this and we didn't even touch on some of it um but i'll get to that let's let's when we thought let's let's not talk about some of the darker stuff we have to talk about eventually here. We'll, we'll wait on that. Let's just look at this on the surface level. Matt Riddle finally debuting on the main roster. Nick, when we, we, did the, we were doing the show when Matt Riddle debuted in NXT. We were yeah. watching him on the indies for a long time. You and I are old fans of his, his work. Uh, when, when we discussed how Matt Riddle would be best used in the WWE, was how close was this? to what we prescribed spot on spot on right
1: make him make make him come out he'll flip his slides off it'll be silly it'll pop the crowd um all of those things and the 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 old west coast hip-hop 90s music as he's coming out bro and everybody won't take it seriously and then the switch flips and the mma comes out
0: And And he's in the ring beating the absolute crap out of AJ to the point where it felt to me like he was going almost too hard on AJ and AJ had to hit him. Like like I said, the first half of this match felt a little bit stiff and I I almost felt AJ kind of trying to rein him in a little bit. Yeah, Uh, maybe if if not, if that was just them actually what they wanted to, to do, then props on them for 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 putting that out, like making it feel that way, because it did feel pretty chippy it felt like riddle was hitting him a little too hard and aj was getting a little little salty back.
1: Well, even before they had the so, match and aj lost his shit, he was slamming the com- commentary desk already felt, got busted open.
0: Yeah. You know? That to me felt felt like a work. But again, regardless comes out and looks like an absolute beast and beats aj, right? That's a freaking debut. Is you have you've defined now exactly what matt riddle is. Yes. He looks like a goofball. Yes, he can be kind of silly, but this guy in the ring is an animal. Yeah. It's exactly what we were saying is the perfect thing to get him over.
1: You guys all watched that thing with Thatcher a couple weeks ago, right?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. You know
1: what Matt Riddle's capable of.
0: But this is what we're saying. <laughs> people on the main roster, there's a, a lot of people haven't seen him before. No idea who he is. Yeah. Right here, 20 minutes, you just told us everything we needed to know about, about, about Matt Riddle. Well, maybe not everything, because here's where the dark cloud comes in, Nick. As we just said, this is one of the best debuts in recent memory in terms of setting someone up for stardom. Yeah. On the same day that he's getting these horrible allegations about him put out in the press. Um, for those of you who don't watch our news show or aren't aware of what's going on, basically a someone who worked in Evolve with Matt Riddle is saying that he had been cheating on his wife with her and that uh, he had forcibly, he had forced himself on her sexually in a van uh, one night. Uh, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but it's not good. No. Bottom line is, uh, at least for me, Nick, this was very, very overshadowed and tainted by those allegations where, you know, obviously, it's we, we still have to figure out the legitimacy of everything here um but it definitely makes you question a lot and I was unable to be as excited as I wanted to be yeah. about this debut because the, of that shadow hanging over the whole thing.
1: Agreed uh, and a lot of it was coming out during the show or shortly after the show. So my yeah. my tragic downfall in this was that I didn't watch SmackDown last night until extremely late because I had been keeping up with Twitter and everything and I had some other work I had to get done. Right. So I was already like down. Uh, down that rabbit hole, and <laughs> right. then I turn this on, and I'm like, "Oh God, that was so good, and I want to be excited about it, but damn it, but I, it. Can't. Damn but I it. can't.
0: I have to, and and it's and the you know the moment's Priorities. gone. Like best case scenario, um, nothing actually happened, and you know he's exonerated, or you know if it's true, then best case scenario we never you know he gets just taken off of WWE entirely. Like either way. You know if this if the allegations are true, um, you know and and it, it so happened you know if, and that that actually did happen, then yeah, he doesn't deserve to be on TV and he should be taken off immediately. Yeah. And this is a tragic waste of a, of a fantastic debut. If the allegations are not true, you can't take it back. Uh, you know, it's this debut happened, and that shadow is always going to be over it. And hopefully we can you know get the excitement back for him. But with allegations like these, it's hard to ever get a, a straight answer. Um, so again, there was talk about Riddle's debut being cut from the show. They couldn't cut. This was half an hour of the show They couldn't have cut this. Um, so they just had to push forward with it. Uh, but man, it's, it's the sort of thing where, uh, you look at it and just go, well, it is what it is. We're going to have to see what happens next. Yep. Um, you know, they, And they set up a lot. They set up. Uh, he ran into Corbin on the outside, and he and Corbin got into it, so he could have a few with Corbin getting set up. Uh, afterwards, Drew Gulak, he just jumped on Drew Gulak and gave him a big old monkey hug inside the ring, which made me immediately go, catch point? Catch point reunion could actually happen on SmackDown. Uh, if Those of you who don't watch Evolve, Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak used to be in a stable together. Um, so that could be very exciting.
1: That would be fun. But,
0: but again, again I can overshadowed, though, unfortunately. But again, overshadowed. Can't think about all these things yet because until we get to the bottom of what exactly is going on with Matt Riddle, as exciting and as amazing as this debut is, you can't be too excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, bummer all around. Just... Uh, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. So, Nick, let's... Let's bring the tone of the room back up and talk about Bray Wyatt, Yes, who came back on this show. Uh, The end of the show, we had a Firefly Funhouse segment where Sweater Bray, Sweater-wearing Bray, Mr. Rogers Bray. Bray, yeah, he came back and he said, hi, kids, I know I've been gone a while, but you know, I had to go do some things like read a book and go play in the sunshine and learn how to raise the dead. Oh, yeah, and some other fun things, too. Uh, Ramblin' Rabbit saying, Really? You sure you weren't just moping somewhere because you got beaten by Braun Strowman at the last pay-per-view? <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, Rabbit, says Bray. When out comes Braun Strowman himself to the ring... Who
1: they've now added their own flavor to his entrance, and it's a train horn, which I'm not mad at.
0: You know, I c- here's I kind of like
1: steering into this Strowman Express thing.
0: So before, Strowman's entrance was a big title screen with his name over a background that looked like poop smeared on wood right now it's a train and we've got like steam whistles going off and stuff it feels like a damn entrance for a champion and a character but
1: but they added the train horn as if it were like ricochet's bullet or it's like a you know okay all right are you taking him seriously okay it it, it only takes five years Okay.
0: Some sometimes sometimes Vince hits on things. Sometimes we get Ricochet Kapwing. Yeah. or or Aleister Black. <laughs> the creaking is is damn. Ah, don't get me started. Yeah. Don't get me started. We're talking about this. All right. So Bray Wyatt says I wasn't kidding when I said I could raise the dead. Braun, yeah, you're big and strong, but guess what? I brought somebody back you might know. And we flashed a whole bunch of footage of the old Wyatt family, and I'm like. <gasps> He brought Rowan back? No, no. He didn't bring Rowan back because then all of a sudden who pops up on screen? But Bray Wyatt, but like Swamp Swamp King Bray Wyatt. Like yeah. uh, Max Katie Bray Wyatt. Cajun Voodoo Bray. Cajun Voodoo Bray. Swamp Wizard Bray.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, comes wizard. back and says, why, why Braun Strowman? You look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There were a lot of mixed bag feelings about this uh, on yeah. Twitter last night or on social media in general. I loved it.
0: Really? I you absolutely, loved it?
1: I loved it. I loved it for the nostalgia. I loved it because now I'm curious at where they're, they're going to take this. I loved this because I had flashes of McFoley pop into my head. I loved this because I had all kinds of things going on that – Cajun, Cajun Wizard, what did we say? Cajun Wizard Bray uh, did not actually get to see through. And Mm. I'm wondering if this is going to become a sort of mankind, dude, love, Cactus Jack dynamic.
0: That's where my head's going. Or Matt Hardy, where he's able to switch between gimmicks or something. Yeah, but so... I'm 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 in the mixed bag camp, and I'll get to that okay. in one second. Because we were talking about the entrance and uh, line drive again. Line drive oh. thrown down today, dude. Damn, dude. Five dollars. Thank you very much, Kyle. Worth noting, the train runs through what looks like the old Wyatt House in the entrance video. It's quick, but it's there. I did not notice that, huh. and I shall be looking for it. Good call, sir.
1: <laughs> Jay very says good, the uh, the proper name is Voodoo Hillbilly Hill- instead of Hillbilly Voodoo Hillbilly Wizard.
0: Hellbilly. Okay. Wasn't that, wasn't that uh, Reverend Horton Heat did Hellbilly? I don't, I don't know. I'm neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, so okay, let's get back to Swamp Wizard Bray here. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sold, and I'll tell you why. Part of the whole concept that it seemed like Wyatt was running with when he started this was that he had killed Swamp Wizard, took his head, and made it into a lantern. Right. That he had rejected that because he was a failure. And he right? was
1: it with a little play chainsaw, right?
0: Yeah, it was like, right, he had left him dead and buried. Well, that was Exorcise Butcher Bray.
1: Exercise
0: the Damon. He had That was Butcher Bray. That was a, a different iteration as oh, well. Oh, sure, sure. But it was still, it, it seemed like one of the things that he had done to create the Fiend was synthesize, uh, or rather, pull apart that entity into two separate Beings. And and anyone who's listened to our show for an extended periods of time knows that I have gone in deep on some of the meaning behind Bray Wyatt and the Fiend and all of his little world there. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's up on YouTube right now. The breakdown of the Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania, where basically Nick has to sit there and listen to me go off for an hour and a half about all my theories. My mind uh, was blown. It's uh, we got we went deep. Yeah, we went deep. Uh, but here, I feel like this flies in the face of some of that especially because one of the things that was even established in the continuum of Bray Wyatt's world here is that this guy's a loser he can't win matches and so to bring him back to face Braun Strowman it seems like if Bray Wyatt's a mastermind this ain't it this is not a good strategy the fiend can beat anything this is the downside of of your booking being the fiend can beat anybody is now you're in a situation where you've got to bring back this loser Swamp Wizard guy to bide time until you finally feel like putting the strap on Bray because the second the Fiend comes out to face the champion, the Fiend's going to win. Yeah, And if he doesn't, you're going to have to come up with some bullshit ending like you did at Hell in a Cell. So they've booked themselves into a corner here again. Now, granted, this is a creative way out of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it coming. But the reason I didn't see it coming is because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it doesn't really, it's, it doesn't, it's not exciting. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Okay, this is the guy that created, quote-unquote, Braun Strowman. But we kind of said that Bray created Braun Strowman in their last feud, right? So it, we're, we're, we, had, we had Mr. Rogers Bray facing Braun, and Mr. Rogers Bray was actually able to almost beat Braun because he's now a wrestler somehow. Do you see what I mean? I, I feel I, like— I understand what you mean. I feel like if you're gonna establish the different levels of Bray, you've gotta have their power levels be, you know, defined a little bit more clearly. And maybe this is now I'm just getting way really into yeah, near we, territory we're, we're, here. We're
1: we're running really short on time. We we can't do another hour and a half on Bray Wyatt.
0: <laughs> okay. Holy crap, I looked at the time too. Yep. My goodness. All right. So suffice it to say, um yeah, this didn't quite work for me. So we'll see where they're going with it, but I
1: love the nostalgia of it. That's really, and I, and the potential of it becoming a, a head. what do you call the trihead chimera? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three-headed, the the, the, the three headed monster of Bray, monster. Bray Wyatt. Right. I yeah. love that
0: kind of, we'll dynamic. see. I, they definitely have to do some work to bring me back into it now. Yeah. Um, they've also got to do some work to bring me back into Mandy versus Sonya. We had some Ms. TV with Mandy on there and a uh, special guest Sonya coming out dick heel in a suit, by the way. She came out looking like a stud, all black suit. Daddy Sonia in the house comes out, gets in Mandy's face again, says, I can't believe you're getting this much attention again. They get into a pull-apart brawl, which just, man, when those two throw fists, it looks good. They fight. It looks good. That's the only thing that got me back into it was, damn, they look good beating the crap out of each other. And then Mandy slaps Miz for bringing out Sonia. Uh, Do you wish that it would move on? we Would move on from Mandy, Sonia? Because I was really liking Lacey and Sonia for a while there. Or is this okay to bring it back?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about the whole Lacey-Sonia thing, too. We had two baller stiff matches between those two ladies that were fantastic, and then Lacey's now hanging out in the back with Tamina and Naomi doing nothing. And that scares me a little bit. But I don't want that to take away from what's going on with Mandy and Sonia, and I think that's what they're focusing on on right now, and I'm not terribly mad at it. So let those two have their blood feud. Let it run. For as long as it takes to get over it, it's going to end up with some kind of stakes, I hope. uh, Some kind of stipulation match that we end up in, maybe for SummerSlam. I I don't
0: know. This is what
1: we've complained about for for over a year now about them, is that they really had nothing to do. So no, it's not okay for us to sit here and still complain that they've got nothing to do now that they're giving them something to do. I I like this because they're giving them something to do and they are knocking it out of the effing park. Let them have matches, let them build the stipulations, let them build to a big four, and just run the blood feud all the way. You still got Otis out there with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Mm. Uh, You know, you can still do stuff with that. Uh, It's it's something I didn't bring up uh, at the very top of the show, which I (laughs) just just (laughs) reminded The best part about the Daniel Bryan and AJ thing that most people probably didn't on, see on the outside was yeah, when AJ went outside guy. and and pushed Daniel Bryan in the face. If you look in the background, go back and watch it. If you missed it, it's nothing but Otis fist pumping and air humping. Oh yeah! And it just it drew my you eye, be looking for that. and I didn't even watch what was happening between AJ and Daniel Bryan. So, you
0: would be yeah. looking for that.
1: Uh, uh. I I love this between Mandy and, and Sonya Deville. I, I'm I'm they're knocking it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. Lacey, I, I think there's a reason they pulled Lacey back. Is to, to let this be the highlight.
0: Well, we did have, we did see Lacey briefly. All of the women, uh, in the women's division, except for Bailey and Sasha, were in the back complaining about Bailey and Sasha and, uh, saying we should get them. And then Alexa realizes Nikki's missing and goes looking for her. Well, meanwhile, Bailey and Sasha are out ringside watching the New Day beat Lucha House Party. For no uh, reason. Because they, well, they've got nothing to do now that Forgotten Sons have been canceled. Right. So they're trying to start something new with New Day. Uh, looks like they're, um, Right now, Cesaro and Nakamura are up in their grill. They Nakamura and Cesaro beat them last week. They have a chip on their shoulder. So it looks like we're heading into a new day. And Cesaro and Shinsuke program, which I'm not mad at. Cool. Let's give us that. But Bailey and Banks are running their mouths the entire time. As you said, Nick, showing up on every brand. And Nikki Cross, crazy Nikki, by the way. Not, uh, not little mellow Nikki, but like, I'm a psychopath. Nikki shows up and beats the crap out of them. We get a match with her and Sasha Banks. Sasha beats her clean, uh, so that's, that whole thing is continuing. We've got the Iconics on Monday. We've got Alexa and Nikki on Friday for uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. We kind of already talked about Bailey and Sasha already and their pervasive existence on all the shows, but me personally, Nick, I'm not mad at it, so I'll just no, throw that out there. We'll I,
1: I had this. visions of Nikki slamming her jacket into the roof back when she was feuding with Asuka for the NXT Women's Championship, just going, again, again. Do you remember that crazy shit, yeah. Nikki Cross? So I thats I like seeing this Nikki Cross back. It's early, pre, almost pre-sanity Nikki Cross, or when I she just, was just getting involved with that.
0: I'm not going to lie, and and I know we need to move here, but I was going to point something out about Nikki really quickly. I almost kind of like that they've gone from Nikki just being a, a psychopath all the time to she's really sweet until she has too much coffee, and then she goes absolutely bonkers. Right. That's hilarious to me. Like, it's very main roster WWE, but at the same time, that is really funny. Yeah. That's really funny. She turns into a, a nut job when she has too much coffee. That's freaking funny. That's a good, yeah. that's that's character. Uh, what's not a good character is Chad Gable's gimmick, which is still going on. And yes, they're still running that he's short. Uh, they have an interview. And uh, the first thing that they ask him backstage is, Mojo Rawley has six inches and 60 pounds on you. How are you going to fight him? and uh, Mojo comes up behind him and starts mocking him for his height when, when Chad supposedly can't see him. Chad knocks Mojo out because he did see him and then goes out and has a match with him and beats him, but still the entire story here was he's a little guy and he beats up big guys. How long are they going to try this story with him before giving up because they realize they're just spinning their freaking wheels and it's a stupid damn gimmick?
1: It's It's a stupid damn gimmick.
0: Stop yep. it. Stop it. His name is Chad Gable. We don't even say his nickname on the show. No. Is Chad Gable? His name's already Chad, okay?
1: He's a goddamn like, Olympic wrestler for Jesus Christ!
0: Like he was. Stop it, treating him
1: like he's in Space Jam or something.
0: It's hard enough that his name is Chad. You don't have to make it worse by calling him what you're calling him on WWE TV, okay? Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, and finally, Nick on SmackDown, Jeff Hardy had a sit-down interview about Sheamus, um, which I actually really thought was. The best thing about this feud so far. Um, he, said, he basically said that he's lost a lot of matches, but that Sheamus and the loss to Sheamus is almost like a reminder of everything he doesn't like about himself. Um, he felt like he's gotten into a lot of negative thinking as a result of everything that's been going on with Sheamus and losing that match. It's made him wonder if he's a bad husband, a bad father, if he doesn't have it anymore in the ring. Um, but he's been down this road so many times that he knows to catch himself and stop before he goes down that because it just leads to all the bad things. Yeah. So in some ways, um, he's learned from his life experiences and knows that it's not his problem, it's Seamus' problem because he's a bad person and a big bully and a piece of crap and that he, what he needs to do is kind of keep himself peaceful and then you know, go take out Seamus. Uh, Seamus later in the show says, you know what? Yeah, I am a bully, and next week I'm going to have a, a a toast where we're all going to drink alcohol in, uh, in celebration of Jeff Hardy. So on the one hand, Nick, the Jeff Hardy interview was really poignant and actually I thought was probably the best nuanced take on a guy who's a recovering addict. But on the other hand, it also felt very exploitative. Which side did you fall down on this? Exploitative. You felt this was all too exploitative. I, I think
1: the whole thing's been exploitative.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I, I. thought the Jeff Hardy stuff was actually excellent, and it, it obviously was coming coming from somewhere in him that was very genuine. Um. But I, yeah, the the feud as a whole, it definitely still kind of makes me feel a little little uncomfortable, and I don't know if that's what they're going for here. Yeah. So I'm kind of with you on that.
1: Didn't want to get out of here without acknowledging Dynamic Jay with the two dollar super chat, uh, referring to the Hell Billy comment he made earlier around oh. uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, Ch- Swamp Wizard Bray Wyatt says he got it from Hell Billy Deluxe, the Rob Zombie. Ah, oh, Rob comment. Zombie. Yeah. I got now. I got the reference. Thank you, Jay, for the two bucks, man.
0: Appreciate I'm not it. mad at that either. I'm never mad at any Rob Zombies. So. No,
1: no, not at all.
0: That man is a horror collection that I'm <laughs> very jealous of.
1: Uh, well, there we go, guys. There's SmackDown, and there's the rest of the show. Thank you, guys. Nope, we're not done just yet. We oh. still got to head over in a few minutes here that we've got left and do we what we like to call our moment of positivity.
0: Mop, 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 mop,
1: mop, 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 mop,
0: Mop. that's right, the moment of positivity, the mop, the moment where we talk about the thing that happened over the last few days in wrestling that made us feel good, Nick, that gave us a smile, that sent us out into the world all happy and feeling fluffy on the insides, and it's a way to leave the show on an up note, on an upbeat, and that way you guys can go back out into the world yourselves, feeling a little bit more sunshine inside, so yes. Nick, what was your moment of positivity in the last few days
1: Well uh, I would be remiss If I did not say Kyle O'Reilly being the therapist
0: <laughs>
1: <gasps> There was something As he lowered the book And I saw his beard with the glasses And the little hat And just the I, and he had the, the, little, the little voice And he was doing it Oh, my God, I was just, I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard at certain points. And then to have Roderick Strong, who knocked this out of the park with the whole trunk therapy thing, like, all right, I'm going in. And then he sticks a foot in and goes, nope, gone, right? That whole sequence, but mostly Kyle O'Reilly being the therapist and the way that they were able to smartly cut that together where they weren't on screen at the same. Just Mwah. my absolute moment of positivity is UE being UE again. Just mm. knocking it out of the park. How about yourself?
0: Oh, man. Well, it's hard to it's hard to top that. That was definitely some fantastic stuff. Mine, it's... Oh, man. The, it, this is really hard because there's a, quite a few things that I liked. Um, just everything about Santos Escobar and that whole cruiserweight feud is just absolutely crushing it for me. Yeah. Um, and the, the title picture in NXT has me just running scenarios in my head, and that's super exciting. Um, I've got to give it to the Big Swole and Britt Baker segment. Just everything that's happening with Britt Baker again had me just laughing my ass off and Big Swole driving her away and then just randomly she we find her in a dumpster. <laughs> Is that's one of my favorite just things on a wrestling program that I've seen in so long. Like just as a little side plot device, like that was just freaking hilarious. And everyone involved in this knocked out of the park, even with Rebel finding her. And being her being like, you're fired. And Rebel goes, I'm, I'm free? I'm free? No, you're not free. Not fired. Get back here. You're on 24-7. You don't get to right. go. Everything. Mwah. 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 All the chef's kisses. Killing it. Yes. Killing it on another week where actually, more often than not, I was entertained. Absolutely. So. Yeah. mm Mm-mm.
1: Lots of good stuff happened this week, but that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't go anywhere. Look, Be on the lookout for that notification in the news stream popping up, because we are going to jump right over and do what we like to call our patron mailbag, which is a series where we answer questions from our patrons live right here on YouTube, sort of an AMA kind of thing that we do every week. It can be about wrestling. It can about be about movies. It can be about Pokemon that we know nothing about, all kinds of good things happening over there and if you'd like to get your questions in you can head over to patreon.com slash Bwo and sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers uh, such as the ability to get show notes participate in our patron pickums challenges for the big four pay-per-views uh, you can get bonus episodes Skype calls all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash Bwo you're gonna cut in on me on my outro again aren't you
0: I I, I have to because we have everyone no needs to everyone needs to hear this Okay. Um, because in the, in the chat, uh, Dynamic J just called Nikki Cross the Great Cornholio Nikki, and I can't unsee it. I can never unsee it. She needs TP for her bunghole. And I just, that's, I'm going to go into the next one. And you all needed to have that vision in your head of Nikki Cross with her shirt over her head doing the Great Cornholio. There, there it is. Nick's doing it for you. Ladies I'll close the show out like it. How about that? Perfect.
1: Come over and join us on Facebook, guys. Just look for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. Come in and join us. Come join us into the discussion group with the rest <laughs> of the, the phenomenal ones. What is uh, join in? our Discord and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. <laughs> but make sure, most importantly, make sure you're subscribed right here on YouTube at youtube.com busted wide open. And make sure you got your notifications turned on because you don't want to miss an episode of BWO Daily as we bring you the news Monday through Friday. Uh, around sports entertainment professional wrestling as well as our continuing coverage of the hashtag speaking out movement uh, as we go into next week. We will have updates for you guys on Monday. But my name is Nick Cornholio and you can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian
0: Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God, would somebody stop the damn match?